Hello and welcome to An Evening with Nirvana, a podcast where I talk to a series of guests from the Dune community, maybe some people outside of it, about things like level design, map creation, other facets of game development. With me today, I have Bridgeburner, who you may know from one of his many Dune-related pursuits, perhaps his highly detailed line-count-busting behemoths from the Slaughter Spectrum, Bastion of Chaos, or the upcoming Elementalism. Maybe you know him for his community presence as a Dune World moderator, his Discord, the Hellforge, or his many community projects. Or you may know him for his on-stream mapping and multiplayer antics, or his own podcast, Burning Bridges. However you know him, you know he lifts heavy things. Welcome, Bridge Burner. How are you this How's evening? How's it going? I am actually quite tired because it is almost midnight. Yeah. And out. <laughs> it's amused me how, you know, our time zones are pretty damn close, but how tricky it's been to line this up. <laughs> you were the hardest, yeah, funnily yeah. enough. <laughs> the thing is, like, I have really weird times when I'm actually available for, like, a normal human being. So, like, because <laughs> yes. uh, usually it's, like, 9 p.m. for me when I record most of these. Um, and uh, which ends up being, like, reasonably easy to line up with people in, like, the U.S. and Europe and stuff, but <laughs> lining it up with someone two hours later than me is a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a Yeah, that's, it's, it's been quite ironic. Because, um, you know, like, as you said in your uh, lovely intro, um, I do a bit of podcasting myself, and, you know, I expect to have trouble, you know, um, syncing up with someone on the other side of the world, you know, 12 or 13 hours uh, behind. Uh, it's like, okay, cool. That's going to be tricky. I'll need to plan that in advance and I might have to get up early on a Sunday or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, ah, if I don't Aussie, this should be easy. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Never easy. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I I feel like I've seen, you know, a lot of you on the stream. I've heard you talk on your podcast, but I feel like I've never actually heard the answer to this question, which uh, I ask everybody, which is how <laughs> you got introduced to Doom in the first place. Like, original like what right we're going you want to go right back to the deepest dark history yeah, right back and then because uh... this is like this is actually a pretty good story oh okay um, well, i mean that's what the i have i have i have stories. told this i'm trying to i was actually trying to think where i might have re- i feel like i have said it on somebody's podcast might have been maybe it was uh in the keep but um um so i like I come from a fat like my parents were I wouldn't quite call them gamers, but they were definitely into computer games and um they're big fans of um you know, strategy games like Civilization um mm-hmm. and uh, RTS games, uh dad in particular with those. And um uh when one Christmas um Mum bought Dad um uh June two, uh, which is the first I think I think it is it is the first RTS game that was made. Um and um she knew we loved june yeah that's a fucking fantastic game um absolutely love it and um turns out she bought what she thought was june 2 she'd actually accidentally bought doom um (laughs) (laughs) doom one which was not um close to its usual (laughs) yeah yeah it's got a d in it um not my parents usual uh uh, genre of enjoyment but um (laughs) the whole family got gathered around and played doom a bit um and I've got really vivid memories of um, episode one in particular, um, you know, being being quite terrified of particular corridors in E1M4 and solving the super secret to get to the secret levels in E1M3. Um, you know, this is before walkthroughs existed or even the internet in general. So, you know, you had to figure it out through uh, pure uh, galaxy brain power. And um, I've always, I've always, always loved uh, episode one of Doom. Um, 
and um yeah that was that was the first taste but it didn't last long like probably played it for a couple of months and then um you know got back into to strategy games because that was always the kind of thing i enjoyed when i was a kid mm-hmm. um yeah that that so it was yeah because i never played doom 2 when it came out i didn't play doom 2 until shit maybe i was 15 right um so what was so that was the gap then you, you sort of played doom for a bit and then big break and then when you were about 15 you came back yeah yeah so um a friend of mine at school um uh he he was into he was massively into doom um and he introduced me to doom 2 um because um he was my um he uh, still is uh the dm for my uh, dnd group um oh, so cool. which uh, is very fun great great social uh excuse to get together uh, every every little uh, once in a while um big reason that uh, exists as well i believe yeah yeah for sure for sure um um not a huge influence on a lot of a lot of things um but um yeah introduced me to doom 2 i thought oh, this is pretty fun um and i can't remember whose idea it was initially but um we agreed to get deep sea uh, the uh, infamous editor mm-hmm. and start dabbling and and making our own doom maps and that was the first foray into that um and that actually lasted a fair amount of time you know probably a good good year or so and um, to went well enough that we actually fucking bought <laughs> paid real money dollars uh for the full version of deep sea because um i remember this yeah because i <laughs> i used doomcad 95 which is even shittier than deep sea and i remember finding out about deep sea and trying to get it and then there was like <laughs> realizing you needed like a paid version to <laughs> access everything and being really fucking pissed that was so like because you had the um the shareware version that limited you to 800 lines and 1200 side deaths um, so you could make and three three maps in a wad like it was it was so mean <laughs> i think this is your super villain origin story like you were <laughs> yeah. so limited by deep sea yeah. blind death count that you ended up making maps with like fifty thousand lines in them just to get back yeah well i actually i actually had the well deep sea as well the full version but i had the doom builder 2 side death limit um because uh, it did have that uh, hard bait so yeah, I've, my my uh, mapping career has been punctuated by finding the limits of whatever editor I'm using and getting angry and stopping. <laughs> so you're not you're not far okay. from the truth there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the um the great the best thing about the deep sea full version is you know we paid the fifteen dollars or whatever it was um, to get it and it came in the mail on a floppy disk. Like hell yeah, brother. Was, <laughs> yeah, get get by a carrier pigeon, you know, <laughs> old school. <laughs> yeah, um, but it was the best editor at the time um and really yeah. set the kind of set the standard for that you know the doom builder wireframe look that we're so used to now i think the whole reason i checked it out was because i'd heard you could do deep water in it and i really wanted to know how to do that <laughs> yes yeah you could do that. something like that yeah, yeah. but i what i didn't really because i didn't understand self-referencing sectors in vanilla or whatever so mm, i used I to look don't. at tnt and plutonia <laughs> like it was fucking witchcraft i like could not yeah, figure yeah. out how they did any of the stuff but yeah, self-referencing sectors are—they're a pretty hideous thing to get involved with, even now. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I understand the basic principle, like you know, the, the lines, both sides of the lines around it re- reference the inner portion. Um, but I've never attempted it, and I don't think I ever will. <laughs> it's like that's yeah, that's scary witchcraft. I think it's almost like more counterintuitive now with Doom Builder than it was back then because you. Well, have Doom Builder tries to fix it. 
Yeah, you had more limitations with how side defs functioned in those mm. old editors. Like Doom CAD ninety five, you had to you had to build things counter. Sorry, you had to build things clockwise. Otherwise, the they would turn the into sectors. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, and it would flip the side defs, and yes. uh, you could flip line defs, but uh, a lot of it was a lot more like. It wasn't non-trivial to do a lot of these things. So. We had to, like, yeah, if you flipped the line, you'd have to, be like, manually reassign the side defs to the right sectors. And, yeah, I remember if you, yeah, you did drew a sector in the wrong order or slightly, you know, the wrong way, it would crash, you know, or not crash, but completely break whatever you were trying to make. Well, it would put void space in in Doomcat 95. So, like, you could actually use it to build, like, pillars in the middle of rooms mm. or whatever because you just build it backwards and it would make a pillar. But uh, that's funny. My um, the first map I ever made in Deep Sea, I didn't under, I didn't know about that rule, clockwise versus counterclockwise. So I just drew eat whatever way I felt like, yeah. and somehow came out with a functioning map. <laughs> that's incredible. Doomcat ninety five, you wouldn't have. I'm telling you that now. It would have crashed. Like, I mean, that thing wow. crashed at like the first minute sign of trouble. It was like uh, I can't handle like, oh, this. Man. Yeah. It's like fuck this shit. I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, it was a Deep Sea. It's public. Us just when I was comparing uh, old editors. Uh, Deep Sea had a um, had a bug um, that would, as you were saving, it would replace or rearrange every vertex. It would just squiggle them up like spaghetti. And because it was happening while it's saving, you couldn't uh, undo I think it. Doomcat used to do that too. Actually, yeah. I, I've actually got some corrupted maps still still on my hard drive. Dude, uh, the saving was so scary, man. Because <laughs> yes, it's like. It looked really cool though, I'll say that. Doomcat95, Doom you used to watch the nodes build uh, manually. Oh, yep, yep, yep. And uh, it took fucking forever. So, like, if you built a big map, it could take like upwards of an hour on our old PC like to quite, save. Quite compiling. <laughs> yeah, so you would just sit there waiting for this thing. And if it crashed, you'd have to do the whole thing again. So yeah, yeah it was awful. <laughs> so that we, we stuck with. I, I talk about this all the time on this podcast. Like it inevitably like comes up because we always talk about our old editors or whatever. But uh, the kids these days don't know how lucky they are. You know, <laughs> yeah. coming in, you uh, got fucking Ultimate Doom Builder and and DBX and uh, shit. When you come in now, it's so easy. Oh, and with, well, it's it's not just well, yeah, quite quite just, but uh, that they're great editors, but they're actively maintained as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I will always. Forever sing the praises of um, of the Ultimate Doom Builder Dev Team Boris in particular for just being absolute fucking stalwarts, constantly fixing things and improving the features and um, you know, interacting with uh, feedback and whatnot. Like it is, the the service is exquisite. Um, yep, definitely. Uh, always gone directly through uh, GitHub and the proper process to reports, <laughs> obviously. I don't, I'm naughty, I just go <laughs> yellow Boris in the Discord. <laughs> yeah, I think that's how everyone is doing it. Which I'm sure it is. Um, um, but yeah. Uh, so, you got Deep Sea. Uh, was this like the first modding uh, you'd sort of ever gotten into with games? Modding stuff for Doom, or did you do anything for like... Because I know for like Age of Empires and stuff, I used to make custom maps for that and, and things like that. Did you ever, like, go into it with other games? Yeah, no, I, I did, actually. I messed around... I remember messing around with the Red Alert editor. Oh, yeah. Making custom maps, and you can make custom maps... You definitely could in Civilization 2. I can't remember if Civ 1 had a map editor. Um, but even, like... And, like, making custom um, starting maps for, you know, SimCity and stuff like that. Um, I kind of always enjoyed that uh, that element of games of being able to 
you know, customize um, um, things for your own experience. And um, I think, yeah, this would have been after I dabbled uh, the Warcraft uh, 3 uh, editor was actually very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's where Dota came from. Um, oh, yeah. It was, a, it, was a, it was an incredible editor. Um, and I actually made a Doom mod for Warcraft 3, which was pretty fun. You could, like, two okay. races of, you know, you know, humans, the UAC versus the demons kind of thing. Actually got to the point where, you know, played a few games online with it and people people seemed to enjoy it. Um, didn't quite end up getting to a polished state, but, um, you know, the ability to edit the properties of various actors, um, yeah, it was, it was all baked into that, so it was um, that was a great one to to, to play with. Um, mm-hmm. That I had a lot of fun with. Um, but yeah, mostly, I definitely haven't ma- um, mapped or modded any other like, FPS. Um, but um, yeah, definitely a bit of strategy in RTS games um, over the yeah. years. Yeah, I think Mega was similar. He started with Warcraft Three, and I think he actually said that he basically learned programming from it and got his first job because of warcraft oh wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a program yeah it was a very impressive editor um, um the things you could do in that were pretty were pretty wild actually yeah i mean dota i'm i'm a big dota 2 fan so yes. it's a big deal I yeah, yeah. have dealt with the horrors of dota 2 <laughs> you're braver than you're braver than most mortals <laughs> It's very that's high kind of highs a... and very low lows is how I usually <laughs> extreme extreme emotional states. Yeah, uh, exactly. I imagine you got to be prepared oh. for anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, once again, I bow to the Doom Wiki for my info here. Um, and it lists Joy Mapping Six is your first released uh, map. But I was under the impression you'd worked in Boom a little bit before this and done some stuff. No, so. Um, Joy Mapping 6 was, yeah, that's correct. It's the first release map. Um, I had not worked on anything boom until Dying Campbell's Demons 3. Oh, but okay. I had, when I first started mapping, my first, you know, foray was vanilla. But um, I jumped to Doom and Hexen pretty quickly, like uh-huh. probably second map. Um, so um, I was always always looking at that kind of, you know, quote unquote advanced um, uh, port uh, stuff, you know, whenever I was doing my mapping um fiddling around with things i was always interested in like what, what cool shit can i do that's kind of outside of the base um you know, the mm-hmm. base game of doom and i remember <laughs> i remember because when we got the deep sea you always shared it around because it was a floppy disk you're just like yeah, okay you you friend can have this you friend can have it you friend can have it mm-hmm. uh passed it around our group and um there's yeah me and two others in particular did, did dabble for it and i remember one of my mates because he was um you know much more into code and then started playing with acs and he made this fountain of um was spawning um uh the uh the, the pile of gibbs and this big ring and it was like look what i can go i was like holy shit this is doom like <laughs> <laughs> amazing like, you can just spawn projectiles and fling them and like do wild loops and all this kind of stuff and i was like Ooh, that looks that looks like fun um um so i completely bypassed you know i guess like the uh quote-unquote traditional formats um and uh, yeah was yeah dying Kimmel's demons 3 was my first my first um, foray into boom mapping. Interesting. Um, which, um, which actually, I do enjoy ma- mapping for boom. It's a different um, thing. Um, yeah, it's you got that elegant simplicity. Um, vanilla is frustrating. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie, um, but um, yeah, boom, boom does require a different mindset, you know, to to um, you know, GZDM UDMF, but um, it, it you can still build you know quite grand. Well, fucking thunder. Um, or um, mm-hmm. Rubik's or your or your own work, you know, you can build those grand structures 
um, uh, quite easily um, and in and, and the big fights. So, um, you know, um, maybe in a different life, I would have um, uh, had Boom as my primary uh, port or at least, you know, more work in it because um, um, I do, I do uh, have enjoyed my uh, attempts at uh, that particular format. So, so you, Joy Mapping Six was like the first major thing that you worked on and released. It's definitely like so. I feel like I remember like, seeing you building other stuff before that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to. I'm just, I'm just I, cut I, my. Yeah, I definitely remember back. like watching you on stream building things uh, previous to that project. I, I was fairly sure. But... I had just so Joy of Mapping Six was December 2018 was when it was the mapping was happening mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure i started i did my first stream that november so yeah you, you, uh, if you were sharp-eyed you would have yeah you would have caught a couple of streams so prior to that i started so what happened was you know um you know before we started uh recording we're talking about you know um doom tubers um yep. And um, the other, you know, the people uh, back then um, who were, you know, making some YouTube content and, and the streamers, like, you know, your 42%, you know, Mega Blast was, was going strong then. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yourself uh, was streaming a bit. Um, Loveless, um, you know, quite a few names that you don't see around anymore, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I saw that, found this, you know, this kind of community of people still playing Doom and playing, you know, new content, new maps and all. I was like, shit, this, looks, this stuff looks really cool. Um and then, you know, I used to uh, inhabit Doom World, not as a member, but I used to read new stuff quite religiously and play um, uh, the uh, reviewed uh, wads through that. Fuck, that would have been back in what, 2002, 2003, somewhere around there. Oh, wow. Um, Very old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I never I never joined. I never had any interest um, um, really in, you know, becoming a community member. Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of so, the same, yeah. I think when I had my account, like, uh, not that old, but maybe like 2011 or something. I guess you can check, but um, mm. I was around for a long time without actually contributing anything for sure. Because yeah, I, didn't, I didn't even have a login. So, um, you know, when I've kind of reacquainted myself with um, with Doom um, in 2018, it was, there was, I can't remember what, what drew me back to Doom. I was like, does this website still exist? um it's like oh sure enough it does and then i started looking at some of the maps that i was working on before uh, my last hiatus um just kind of wandering through and doom builder 2 um like, yeah these things look pretty cool dug up some old screenshots and um chucked them on one of the you know sheer pictures threads and um in doom world just to see see what people thought kind of thing and got a little you know a bit of positive feedback so maybe i should maybe maybe I, maybe i can get back into this maybe this is something to to kind of resurrect um because <clears throat> so i'd always had this I was, i've always been one of those mappers that um people tell you tell them you shouldn't think like this but really driven to make a mega war you know yeah, like sure. 32 maps <laughs> 32 is the, the magic number um and had actually i probably made like probably more than that number total over you know a 15 year period on and off mm -hmm. um and i had this you know this concept uh, uh that was was called age of hell back then um and yeah i thought oh well maybe i can maybe i can get back into this and um and then yeah i just started with, i started with a hiss and a roar you know from scratch yeah you know, i wasn't trying to keep anything of the old but like start from the beginning start remaking uh maps and 
getting into things and um yeah i just went i went hell for leather um making stuff and and then i got involved in what became refractive reality uh and and elementalism about the same time um that would have been that's interesting because <laughs> reflected reality was a long time ago uh, from my memory <laughs> yeah quite a few years ago so it's interesting they had like started at the same time yeah very very so very some well elementalism had already been going for shit, probably 18 months i think at mm. that time um the thread had become public um but i got approached by oh that's about the time i joined discord as well i um, jumped into dragonflies um server because my uh previously uh my dnd uh dm um who we bought deep sea with he he had moved over to australia so we started a discord server to do online dnd sessions um mm-hmm. and so it's like okay cool with this platform and then joined doom world and it's like well there's some doom there's a you know some doom community stuff on discord what is this oh i'll uh, i'll jump in and um that was uh, ironically at the same time the elementalism team, which Dragonfly was on at the time, had seen some of my screenshots and thought that I would have been worth approaching for, for to map for elementalism. So it was this kind of like nice confluence of events mm-hmm. um, that helped kind of draw me into the community quite a bit. Um, um, so yeah, there was a there was a lot of mapping happening in that year. Um, but getting back to the original question or point <laughs> was yeah, culminated in Joy of Mapping Six as my first release. So. Um, by the time I came to actually making that, I was you know feeling pretty confident as a mapper, um, you know conceptually, but had never actually put anything out there for people to play. Um, yeah, it's so interesting. It was, like, I mean, I'm curious how much mapping you'd actually done before you sort of started making proper release stuff, because obviously you were already making very highly detailed, very complex things. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I know that your real life career probably has some thing to do with that sort of geometric like highly detailed style uh would you mind going into that maybe a little bit yeah i mean I've, um um for the listeners that don't know I, I work in construction um and have for 13 years now um but i've always been interested in you know graphical design i actually did i actually thought about becoming an architect when i was a kid well teenager mm-hmm. um did a bit of graphics at school and stuff like that um so i have i have always had a bit of a you know, an interest in and architectural concepts and um uh and you know visual presentations and stuff like that and um but there's there is there, there were years of mapping up spread out across a decade and a half um you know there are a lot of a lot of gaps in there so it wasn't like consistent you know consistent growth and skill or, or practice or whatever but there's you know there good solid blocks that when i came back to it in 2018 i knew the fundamentals and it was a bit like getting back on a bike um you know after not riding it for yeah. a while um but so yeah the 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 grandiosity came came through pretty quickly um and i you know i've been obsessed with sunder for a long time um ever since i first played it and mm-hmm. those those kind of those kind of scenes always had an impact on me dios vaults the other um the other one that um that really really uh, stuck with me ever since i uh, first experienced it um but there was there was a very uh, still a steep learning curve to go through in terms of um you know fight presentation and combat design and you know what i think is fun because it's, it's not necessarily what everyone else thinks is fun and it's like oh this isn't too grindy and then people play like ah oh, there's, there's i think the joy mapping map uh joy of mapping six map had something like 80 barons in it when i f- first did the first 
test build <laughs> something ridiculous <laughs> um i have no concept of what high monster counts are anymore so yeah, well, <laughs> yeah i mean i any barons like it, yeah that is kind of abstract but the map had no super shock and no bfg um it was kind of grindy um but it was a doom one doom one was the theme that year um and um i was I be- so did I, play I believe i played that map i'm pretty sure i played it I think I did quite quite possibly. Um, I think I did some testing because I think I made a map for that one as well, and then yeah, I think you did. Yeah, yeah I do recall. I don't remember it being um, grindy, but maybe that was post uh, eighty Baron. It wasn't too. It, 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 actually, because I played, I replayed it recently. I watched actually I watched someone else play it quite recently too. Someone else was playing Joy Mapping. Can't remember who it was now. Um, and I actually think it still it still stands up pretty well. I'm quite I'm quite proud of it. It could definitely be better, um, but. Um, you know, as a first uh, first release, it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it's, it just feels good to release something, and then, because there's, a lot of people think about mapping as, like, this one process of building the map. That's the whole thing. But really, it's broken up into a lot of separate things, you know, conceptualizing, you know, starting the project, building, then you're building the maps and stuff, and then, you know, you go through these post-processes of, like, yes. touching up, detailing, internal testing, and then you know final touch-ups and then release and then there's the post testing process <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then like... that, yeah, the wave of feedback that you can get exactly um, yeah, oh everything's no broken how... by the way <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like this 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 you broke this key thing just before release shit yeah um, but it must have been good for you to finally release something and then get to go through that process i think Oh, a hundred percent, and I learned a lot, and I, I remember really vividly um, Zul's feedback. Um, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, this is a, a name that I knew, um, and you know, I knew that it was a, a, a very skilled player, um, and liked they played the kinds of maps that I maybe liked wanted to make as well. Um, you know, in terms of the, the gameplay style, and um, you know, his, his feedback was very succinct and to the point, um, and, and very helpful. Um, about you know how fights could be tweaked and um, changed to to improve them, and I didn't implement it all. So going back to what you said about you know the process being more than just making the map, mm-hmm. it's not even unless you just wait make one map, but it's not isolated generally to that one map. You know the things you learn don't necessarily get applied because you could you could get stuck in that development cycle forever, always tweaking, always improving the same the same thing. Yeah, you know, but you want to take that that information what you've learned um and then apply it to the next one because it's easier to start from a, a clean slate and and take those um new skills and learnings um and make something better um which is um i think you know most mappers goals is to is to get better and, and make 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 um more enjoyable things so that was quite important as I think for me was having that experience and it was good because you know it was a three-day process to make that map so it was this real short sharp um development cycle where it's like build test release public you know internal feedback public feedback yeah. bang, bang 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 a real like a like a block course almost um you know in an apprenticeship um and because quite often you know, particularly if it's a big project um, that you're contributing to, you know, you'll make the map and you won't get that feedback, you know, back for six months, a year, sometimes longer. Um, and you're like, ah, oh, that thing. What the fuck was I doing there? <laughs> I can't be bothered fixing that. Like, <laughs> so you don't get that because learning, learning is more uh, acute when it's, um, 
you know, you get that instant association between the work done and the feedback received. Um, like any kind of reinforcement cycle, any, any feedback loop, um, um, proximity uh, of events matters. Um, so Joy Mapping 6 was a fantastic uh, experience for that. And I, it's why I recommend um, community projects um, of that nature to, to new mappers is you can, you can go through that process very quickly and with a lot of the stresses removed. Um, so like resource management, compiling the project, all that, all that annoying stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's all taken out of your, out of your hair. And you just focus on the mapping and the feedback and improving. Um, and hopefully Jimmy, I think Jimmy said he might do one more. Hopefully he does, but um, uh-huh. um, no, we're I, getting quite stupidly large. Um, yeah, I did talk just... to him actually for the podcast. Um, and he, yeah, he did seem to indicate that it became a lot of work for him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there were seven, 72 maps in Joy of Mapping 6, I think, um, which is yeah. huge. <laughs> yeah, pretty a massive amount, um, and you know, Jimmy's not going to half-ass anything. He put a lot of um, you know, care and in, in, into the presentation of the hub systems for the for the episodes, all that, all that, you know, cross uh, making sure it's compatible. Um, um, yeah, he's not going to cut corners, um, so I can fully understand why he might be um, uh, drawing a close on that particular thing, um, and you know. Um, the fact that he, he did it at all, um, you know, the Doom community owes a huge, um, I'd say, yeah, huge debt um, to Jimmy um, uh, for doing that because it did usher through a lot of mappers because um, he, you know, because it's Jimmy. It wasn't just all noobs. There was plenty of other, you know, there's a good spattering of experience um, mappers involved in these, um, like Dragonflies contributed, um, you know, Boris, um, UDB Dev, he's, he's made maps for it. Um yeah, there were, there were experts in the group that could help out and teach people. Um, yeah, it's a, a great um, incubator um, uh, for beginners. Um, and yeah, no, it, it definitely helped me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I did sort of put a lot of that forward to Jimmy when I spoke to him just about... I, I think he was like quite an important like community influence with Huge. mapping and various other community yeah. project things that he's done. Um, oh, there's, there's a reason he got an ESP. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you talked about Sunder as an early influence on Deus Fall. Were they sort of the two uh, main ones for you? Uh, and was a lot of that in terms of... Uh, because of the way you build your maps and uh, the focus on the hyper detail and, and, and such, and the heavy line count, obviously, <laughs> were you looking at things like Sunder in the editor and... Um, trying to figure out how to sort of recreate these types of things is that is that where a lot of this um style of yours do you think comes from or is it more you have concepts that you want to create and this is the only way to create them kind of thing i actually i actually very very rarely look at other people's maps and editors um Mm. like to the point where i'm thinking have i actually ever done it like with the purposes of deconstructing what's been done interesting yeah um and I think, because I'm, you know, alluded to, you know, the construction and uh, career and um, and, art, and you know, real world architecture, because of the way that I my I, I draw inspiration, it is it's all it's on the final it's on that that holistic presentation, you know, the big picture, I guess. Um, uh, and I'll look at things and I go, hmm, that looks fun to make. And then I'll part of part of my part of the things that I enjoy is it's figuring out on my own how to. Uh, you know, bring you know, those concepts to life. Um, 
And yeah, with with Sunder and DS Vault, it was yeah, it wasn't so much the specific detailing, especially especially Sunder. It was that was it's more the it was it was that holistic vibe, that sense of oppression, um, you know, the the freakish amount of vertical scale that um, Gazebo likes to use, um, that you know, almost no mapper um, can uh, can match. Um, there's something. And, and very simple color schemes. Like I'm thinking of Power Monument, which is still one of my favorite Sunder maps of all time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like just three textures. Um, you know, the pink, the the pale tan, and the brown, uh, just layered. Um, you know, beautifully up. You know, these kind of chaotic looking angular stairs. Um, you know, with these big, you know, fleshy, um, uh, flesh wrapped spires um, scattered around. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's incredible. Um, detail for what is actually somewhat simplistic um if you break it down um so it was it was always about that that bigger feeling i guess um at least with sunder ds vault it was a bit more specific a bit more i would quite like because there's you know cathedral halls and it's much more real world uh, kind of yeah but also help specifically (laughs) (laughs) um um you know which uh which um uh, I think anyone knows me knows I'm a fan of. Um, so that was more like, okay, cool. I like the way um, this this specific hall is made. I want, I would like to recreate, like you know, um, Desolate Tour and Holy Cathedral. Like just so much about that map is just it's just mm, right. my my uh, my stuff. So if I was going to deconstruct something, it might be that. But again, I don't feel. I mean, especially not now. But you know, I've never never really felt like I need to to burrow into the editor to mm-hmm. figure out the how. It was more like. You know what do I do to to get bring this this big scene um, this this feeling to life? Um, yeah, it's a it's a hard thing to um, process, I guess, because so much of mapping is um, quite cool. maybe not intuitive, but it is an organic process. Um, yeah, it's putting think... something <laughs> in the ether uh, onto paper or whatever you know, like <laughs> kind of thing. Trying to draw out whatever you're yeah of imagining picturing and then trying to create it into something like three-dimensional is kind of difficult a lot of the time yeah because i find um um i don't know if you're the same but if you hold too tightly to what's in your head you won't be happy it ends up, never... yeah it ends up looking a lot worse uh, we're not even looking worse it just doesn't look like what you want it to look like well, I think, I think well, at least, at least like for you, me, you try to make it exactly how it is in your head, and if you don't mm. let interesting ideas that crop up naturally in that process take you down interesting yeah, paths, yeah. like you try to adhere too strictly to your original goal, then a lot of the time you miss out on like a lot of creative opportunities. I think. Yeah, no, that is true, and I also it just it, the process feels worse as well. Um, it does, think, yeah. Absolutely. You know, you you keep like because your brain, you do wander down these creative. Um, side tracks and tangents like and you, you know you're just kind of like messing around then you like go into the 3d mode like oh that's not what i had in my head mm-hmm. what's it doing there and you keep if you keep trying to force yourself back into that box you know it's it's it's, it's to the detriment of your work um and you know particularly with with what i'm doing now with um you know, a commercial game yeah there is there are stricter things that I would I need to adhere to in terms of the wider scope of what's being built. Um, uh, you know, I've got you know, this area has to have a specific purpose kind of thing. Um, but that organic 
development is still that's that's that flow state that you can reach um that's what we all aspire to is just we can just start throwing down lines and it's almost like the map builds itself you know uh, i can't remember what famous sculptor it was but you know the the marble contain already contains a statue they're just revealing it, it might have been michelangelo actually. oh yeah um, i know, know the quote um, but i yeah you know the one <laughs> um, you know and sometimes mapping feels like that you're just you're just peeling back the blank the blank canvas to reveal what's underneath um um and you know that that's you know i'd say moments of pure joy um when you get into that mode and it's just it just the map builds itself almost um, sometimes you peel it back and it's a shitty speed map <laughs> sometimes yeah, sometimes it's pookers yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when I mean obviously we're talking about your large scale projects for the most part of the moment um, but when you decide to join a thousand lines community project uh, I can only assume that was um, a very deliberate exercise for you in like focusing on other elements of design uh, besides sort of the the detailing and the visuals yeah because i'm just trying to think that was before dying camels demons three yeah so um that was essentially the first major foray out of um udmf um certainly for many years um the main reason i did it is because liberation's a friend <laughs> i was like oh i'll contribute to your project mm-hmm. um but also well that was the main reason that was that was a reason um but um yeah i'm a fan of 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 challenges um and the good thing about 1k lines is it's it was only a thousand lines so there's a, a limit to ambition um yeah i think oh, i can make a map pretty quickly for this i don't have to sink you know months of effort into it and like i said made a vanilla map you know um took that box off um because i think you know it's it, for any kind of long-term mapper i think it's good to at least make a map in each of the three major formats um just to just to experience it um you know if um if, if you if you're the kind of person that wants to make a few a fair few then um it's not a huge time cost and you know you might find something that you enjoy more um but um it, it's just a fun thing to do i think um personally um so yeah no it was a bit a bit outside the box for me and mm-hmm. it was it definitely was an experience I remember um, trying to make my first lowering floor, and in UDMF you can just set a value, it's like floor lower by this many map units. You just type it into the box, and it will move that many. Vanilla actions don't have that. <laughs> it's like, how do I make this floor go down by one twenty eight? Huh? Oh, joy! Control sectors. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's actually not too bad once you get used to them, but uh, no, but it was pain early on. It was a learning curve, um, and it was just it was just a realization. It was like, ah, oh, these are these are new things that don't exist in the base engine, um, because you know I think one of the fascinating things about the uh, the original code is all of those movement actions were used for specific things in the game. It's like Romero is like, I need to move this by twenty four map units. Yeah. can you code me this up bang here it is well that's where but, you end up with some like real weird ones like the donut one the... like donut action <laughs> yeah. all the change floor to this and uh yep, like, yep. move floor to this exact height and then change the text like, weird shit like that yeah it's not very modular um so yeah so it was it was it was a it was a good thing to be exposed to that i think both in just a just something fun and challenging but also you know i did learn some things that were useful like control sectors 
mm-hmm. I don't really use them prior to that. You don't, you know, there's not a whole lot um, uh, that I, I needed them for, um, but uh, they're still handy in, in um, you know, GC Doom uh, UDMF as well, um, like for making complicated lifts, you know, multi-sector things. Um, and, um, you know, understanding the concept means that even though there's a tool now for 3D floors, you know, understanding how the control sector actions work, you know, the why of um, uh, what the engine's doing, you know, helps you debug, um, understand yeah. what limitations there are and all that kind of stuff. So, so it was, it was, it was definitely, it was, it was, um, it was a good process to go through and it was, and it was fun and the, and yeah, the map, the map was, uh, was decent as well. Yep. Uh, and then I mean, there were two more. <laughs> well, moving to sort of what would be your first major release, I suppose, uh, <clears throat> at least your, your first sort of major solo release, which was, uh, Slaughter Spectrum, which, uh, I know had a bit of an interesting <laughs> inception, really. It's a theory, a fairly storied past, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how much, I mean, I think I know most of sort of what went on, but I'm not sure, um... Yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah, I don't think there's a lot of stuff that's not really useful or relevant or even that important these days and um yeah the doom doom community is littered with with projects with um with uh you know interesting development cycles shall we say <laughs> um and you know there, there, there's things that i would rather had had not happened i guess but yeah. at the end of the day there's still a lot of things learned through that process and including contributing to, to someone else's project um you know that that was uh, there were lessons there um, um, that we were definitely uh, useful and, and good to go through. So um, that kind of that side of things it definitely doesn't that doesn't bother me. Um, but um, yeah, like you said, it was the first. Um, it was my first solo release uh, in terms of like the here are my maps, um, and um, it was they're definitely I'd call them flawed um kind of in the same way that the joy mapping six map was because they weren't a lot of those were made before before joy mapping six so they they were actually built apart so palace of black singularity and crimson chaos were definitely made before joy mapping six yeah i'm um, pretty sure I, that those were the maps that i'd seen you working on pre mm, mapping i believe yeah yeah that sounds right and then um where dragons dwell and Void Noir were made after. Um, and Weird Dragon's Roll was a collab, collab map uh, with uh, Cyano, and um, it's definitely the best kind of, in terms of pure gameplay, I think. Um, um, mm-hmm. we, I mean, we were like, super vague about it, but they were originally meant to be part of Refracted Reality, right? Yeah, yeah. so yeah, they, they were, yeah. They're part of a part of a group project, um, and, and um, uh, they were left to check with the maps, um, and they were released... Um, yeah, singularly, uh, with the same, I think, pretty much the same resource pack. Yeah. Um, as uh, as as reflective reality, um, so that's why they look fairly similar. <laughs> mm-hmm. The bright neon colors. Um, but no, it was it was it was, it was um, again, it was a, uh, another learning curve to release. You know, when you release something a community project, you know, and you, it, it's buried amongst a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah, um, exactly. There's less less focus on it. So this is like this is this is my work. What do you think, guys? Um, and um, like I said, I think um, the, the there's definitely flaws in there that if I went back and remade them, you know, there's quite a bit I would change. But that being said, I still find them really fun to play, um, and I'm, I'm I'm very proud of them. Um, I think they um 
they actually stand up pretty well and uh, reflective of a certain stage of my mapping are you know, really clearly in terms of you know you talk about my hyper detail and you know they've got that lots of pretty pictures drawn on the ground and big sun motifs and mm-hmm. um you know all the curves so many curves um yeah um, so it, it, they're they're a good window into you know the kind of way my brain was working i guess um um experimenting with because there was a lot of experimenting and there are a lot of Firsts for me in terms of GZ Doom, um, like in um, Palace of the Black Singular, and there's those stairs that when you run up and down them, they you know they they bobble up and down. And I remember having that idea, like, oh, this sounds really cool. I wonder if I could do this, and mm-hmm. um, you know, fuck around with light sequences and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so there's um, you know, no, no, no they're, they're good maps. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually quite sorry. Oh no, you go. I was gonna say I'm actually quite keen to remake some of them, like sections of them for Age of Hell um you know uh and because i i ended up i had some ideas like really late in the development of how to improve some of the fights but it was too hard to retrofit into what i'd already built um so there's some ideas i'd like to revisit and some of the visual concepts and designs um you know it's kind of like a base i mean you remember the jellyfish room <laughs> yeah I think so. um the that twenty two thousand line monstrosity that annihilated fps and uh, ended up getting cut um from the final release um because that map was way too big um you know, there's stuff like that I'd like to resurrect. Um, you know, read, read that. Like, no, 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 not not just cut, cut, cut and pasting. But um, there's some good, good, good bones there. I think um, that could be explored in a, a different fashion and make something pretty cool. Um, and it'd be a nice, nice homage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you talked about the scale and you mentioned the FPS issues. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like a. It's been something you've dealt with a lot throughout, sort of map creation uh because your maps are so gigantic um so i'm wondering what what was the process like for slaughter spectrum in particular in terms of like trying to strip back uh the maps a little bit to make them accessible for people with like lower end machines yeah because palace of like singularity just ended up having a, a a chunk of it cut out um with, with the more problematic areas um in terms of fps and and um, so there wasn't too much now, but the, the, the one that I, I learned quite a lot on was um, Crimson Chaos. Because um, I, I don't know if you remember that, but from the, that opening sightline, it's a very long one, um, all in the open, um, out across. Um, mm-hmm. from the, you can see from the beginning to the end of the map, um, which, great idea on paper, like this great, you know, um, see, see, see what comes before, um, where you're going to go, like all that kind of foreshadowing stuff, good, good, good visual level design, terrible for performance. Yeah. Um, so what I ended up doing there and fucking full credit to Sino for, for coming up with the idea is I actually chopped the map up with portals and, you know, at first glance, portals don't sound like a good thing for improving FPS because they tend to um, do the opposite. <clears throat> but by doing that, I could, one, remove some sections into like a separate area, but also create a, a faux facade essentially for the, the distant visual elements, far simplified, cut out a lot of the lines that you know, anything you can't um, you know, see directly. Um, um, and so that long sight, those long sight lines got a whole lot um, less FPS taxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so there, there was definitely, um, that map in particular went through quite the optimization pass. Um, um, and yeah, it, 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 it was needed. So there was definitely a learning curve um, on that one. I mean, there might 
it, my work's never gonna <laughs> um, be uh, terribly simple. Uh, you're always going to need a, a reasonable rig to to kind of play um, my stuff. But um, you know, I, I, contrary to some opinions, I do put the effort in uh, to try and um, oh, yeah, optimize no, at least to a degree. <laughs> I mean, I can, as someone who's tested a decent amount of your stuff, uh, you tend to take uh, FPS issues into account, and usually. Hmm. I mean, Bastion of Chaos, didn't you release, like, a... Was it a boom-compatible version, or even a... No, it wasn't boom, like but it was a low-spec low spec. Yeah, low-spec yeah, yeah. version, that's right. Um, so I, I went and blocked off a whole lot of windows, and I, I think I cut about half the lights out of the map, like decorative dynamic yeah. lights. Uh, that made a big difference. So that that one I had tested on, I think, a 680 GeForce. So a pretty, pretty old card, mm-hmm. and it was playable. Um, it wasn't, like, silky smooth. But um, yeah, I thought, you know, for, it didn't actually take that much effort. It was probably about four hours work to just yeah. to make a copy and go through and um, <clears throat> make that make that undetailed pass, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. Then the hardest thing was any bugs that report. I had to fix them in both maps. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That was yeah. So I, I deliberately left it to fairly late. Like you know, the the main had been released and had a, their first few waves of feedback. Um, I was like, okay. You know, now, now, if there's any bugs, I gotta fucking remember to tweak them in both. <laughs> um, yeah, but, um, there Funnily was actually enough, one. I talked to, uh, I talked to Rubix the other day, and we were talking about because Moldy just released mm, uh, his yes. project, which has two versions of the maps, uh, like a. It's got like a new game plus, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, like a harder yeah. version, I guess. And Rubix had said that he had toyed with the idea for Magnolia of um, splitting uh, those maps into two separate things mm. uh within the same wad uh but he he said he couldn't be bothered like uh it is a lot of work <laughs> fixing up like both maps every time there was a bug like he yeah, said he, yeah. he almost wrote a program that would do it automatically because of course he could of course he could do that's that that's the way Rubik's <laughs> that's right, <laughs> he does yeah. such yes very but i'd had the same code. idea with entropy completely independently i was also thinking oh maybe i'll put uv on I'll make another map on the secret mm. slot that's the actual UV version, and then have the toned down version be the standard. But uh, so I think I think there's a lot of potential there. <laughs> yeah, I think there's some I think there's some really cool ideas there that could be explored. But yeah, it's the it's the work, and normally by that point in your dev cycle, you're sick of the maps. <laughs> it's like I was really sick of entropy. Yeah, yeah it's like it's I, making making another like copying the same map and then going through and doing a, a, a full like you know uv plus pass over it it just fills you with dread <laughs> yeah no, no well even fractured worlds i have because i have two versions of there's map seven in that which is like the end like the end screen credits map or whatever the hell you want to call it uh and then i had to copy and paste that map to map 15 because you go to the secret maps and if you come back mm. from 32 you end up in Sorry, map 16. Oh, right, yes. So I had to put it there again <laughs> so that you wouldn't end up... Good old uh, no map info boom. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could have technically used you map info, but... Uh, you could actually. Now. I didn't, yeah, yeah, I didn't want true. to... I didn't want to use it for whatever reason. That's quite funny. But I ended up... Yeah, <laughs> I, have, I had to do that for that map, which was a very simple map, so it wasn't a big deal, but I did have to do that, like, save everything twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, it'd be funny if you like finish it and you end up in gross. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, I guess like I'm curious with all these sort of FPS problems you run into and creating like such high spec levels for a game that has it's almost like built around 
being a playable space for low spec people because you got small file sizes for all the wads like wads are tiny uh and then like demo recording like the whole thing with demos is that they're really shareable because mm. it's all the inputs being recorded so that's tiny and then uh doom is i mean literally notorious for being able to run on like anything in the world so i'm wondering yeah, like uh, a, a, a you run into a lot of problems with um <laughs> like creating this sort of high-tech landscapes for people with low-end sort of laptops and stuff maybe initially there was a few comments but um i think people just kind of accepted it <laughs> it's like oh, it's a bridge burner map it's gonna yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be uh, an fps tank um it because i did make it i think yeah bastard cars have put a lot of effort into the like the post and you know um, but my favorite phrase, uh, the management of expectations. Um, so yeah. you're right. Doom is notoriously accessible. Uh, and it's one of the strengths, one of the big strengths um, is Doom. The, the base game is tiny. The source ports are tiny um, and will run on almost anything. Um, the wads themselves, very small. You know, think back to people on dial-ups. You have to be able to download them on, you know, fucking... 28.8k uh, modem um the midis are tiny like everything about everything about doom was very um efficient uh, in terms of space size you know like i said even the demos um you know the way that they were recorded and were you know it's just um uh, a syncing with gameplay and um so i think if i was doing what i was doing like 10 years ago there probably would have been a lot more backlash um and 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 resistance um because uh, the, the doom community is also not shy about um bringing these things up mm-hmm. um or at least certain, certain elements of it so yeah i think there was yeah i don't think there, to be honest there wasn't a huge amount of issue to be honest um i'm gonna say to be honest uh, several times apparently um <laughs> I th- i'm just trying to think yeah um and definitely when bastion of chaos came out um i was like yep it's 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 a big map it's 120 odd thousand lines uh it's got four and a half k monsters and it's for gz doom and it's yeah dropping with dynamic lighting you're gonna need a decent computer, uh, but I did. I did make it clear what we tested it on uh, in terms of like a benchmark, um, and um, one of the things I did to help performance there was did a custom GL defs to remove um, any uh, dynamic lights from projectiles because that's one thing that GC Doom does. Uh, if you load the base uh, yeah. lights uh, definitions as yeah, they look great. These projectiles flying through the air, casting shadows, you know, like a, like a modern game. You know, it looks great. Not so good when they move across, yeah, um, thousands of lines and there's 500 monsters firing at once. Um, yeah. That is still an issue that GZ Doom um, faces. Well, I don't know if it's an issue GZ Doom faces, it's an issue mappers like me face. Um, so one thing I did there was, was yeah, remove those lights. I had a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so unique problem solving, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, this is the kind of thing that's, you know, more important actually for the the professional side, you know, the actual game dev, because while I can, you know, put out um, a, a map that might run um, on average at 50, uh, 40 to 50 FPS uh, for Doom and not have too many uh, complaints um, if uh, something that people have bought performs like that, well, it's a different kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the... You know the, the age of hell will still 
still be in that kind of ballpark, but it, I've been much more um, considerate of those kinds of things. So I've been learning uh, more techniques um, uh, to help manage that. Uh, the uh, model export tool that UDB has is very, very handy for that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, exporting detailed chunks as, um, as models um, does a lot of help. Um, but yeah, Bastion, and then, and then with Bastion, you know, releasing the low spec version, I think, meant that um i could you know clearly point like you know i do i do give a fuck um here you go uh here's <laughs> here's one that uh should perform on um you know even you know quite old computers and we've tested it on x um again you know providing a benchmark um um which uh, i think a lot of people appreciated um mm -hmm. yeah well i mean like i said i can definitely speak to the fact that you you do put in the work when it comes to that yeah, no, it's a, it's a, you know, uh, I'm a big believer in, in mapping for yourself first. Um, yeah, we do this particularly if you're if you're just doing it for fun. You know, if you don't enjoy it while you're doing it, but um, yeah, the the it does. It, there is a, a a large element of of um, making sure people uh, enjoy what you do. Um, and yeah, there's always a, a law of diminishing returns, and you know, people who make make the product, they get to decide where they put the effort, and you know. It's, it, almost um almost never blame or chastise a, a, a map or a model for making things in a way that i don't agree with it's like oh you know it's your project you do what you want you know you um you are only beholden to yourself so um but um you know i was, I was probably expecting more complaints maybe with passion to chaos but there's only one i can remember and it turns out they were playing it with a mod that was uh, taking uh the FPS. classic <laughs> yeah that old chestnut <laughs> I remember yeah. seeing somebody, I think it was like on something awful or something, and they were playing Breathless, and they were like, man, this map runs like shit, like, it's running so bad, and he was playing was with like Smooth Doom and like yeah. all this other shit, and I was like, well, I can't help you there, buddy. Yeah, it was Smooth Doom or Brutal Doom, um, not Brutal Doom, so Smooth Doom or Beautiful Doom that yeah. um, this person was playing with Bash in the Chaos, and it was all the extra gibs. Yep. Um, so uh, it's like there wasn't anything ridiculous like a like complex clusterfuck or brutal doom, um, which you know does have a lot of visual effects and, and chaos. Um, it was something a little bit less obvious um, because they were playing it on the low spec version and getting like half the FPS that I got on the high spec version in this area. Like, there's something not right here. Um, what are you doing? I was like, oh, you're playing with the mod, aren't you? Where are all those gibs coming? Like, I saw a screenshot. I was like, hang on a sec, these gibs aren't in the base game. <laughs> Have you got a mod? Yes. I mean, it's funny because people don't even realize what is and isn't in Doom, really. Like, uh, I had a guy with Fracture Worlds on ModDB, and he was like, uh, hey, there's like a bug with your ward. I can't jump. <laughs> and I was like, uh, it's not a bug. <laughs> That's deliberate. I, I, Have yeah. you played the original Doom? Very um, funny to me, but... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's hilarious! Uh, um, uh, and you go, and you're gonna get that. Um, and there's the other, you know, the classic: is it compatible with Brutal Doom crowd? Um, it's just the um, the joys of releasing work. Um, and I think the best way to approach it is is with a bit of a grin. Um, uh, yeah, I haven't had any. I haven't had any like death threats over not <laughs> Doom yet or anything yet. But um, neither have I, it's unfortunately. Yeah. We're clearly not famous enough yet. No, we'll get there. No, we'll uh, get there. So, I suppose in terms of, like, skirting lines, which I touched on a little bit with that, uh, sort of the commentary on the FPS, uh, in terms of demographic, I feel like, um, like, your, your wads are, they're in, 
UDMF format that built for the GZ Doom engine, which I would say arguably targets like the more more casual players because it's the most accessible in terms of it'll play yeah. everything. So I'd agree with that. Yeah, most people sure. download it. Uh, and uh, but then your gameplay is designed. Uh, at least at the higher end for like UV difficulty standards is for more hardcore players for the most part things like Bastion of Chaos is like incredibly hard on UV have you found problems sort of attempting to bring these two audiences together or like uh, do you find that placating one hurts the experience for the other kind of thing I don't no not really because um there's been and yeah, I gotta be a little toot my own horn here a little bit. There's been a resurgence. Well, not a res- not even a resurgence. Kind of a re, a bit of a redefinition of, um, I guess slaughter maps, uh, of that style. Um, you know the the Jesu Doom specific stuff because it was always viewed, um, and I think you know based on some uh, some you know some some truths that Jesu Doom was not good for slaughter. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, particularly some of the older versions, like kind of pre three point six. Um, um, you know, it was less suited for that kind of thing. But also, the mappers who are working in GC Doom weren't interested in making in making those maps. Um, you know, like you say, the um, the the, hard, the the hardcore slaughter crowd, those really hard big maps. They're they're definitely more of the the, the boom crowd, not quite purists, but definitely more old school. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, and their sensibilities, um, but I'd always, again, you know, with the Sunder and the Death Vault kind of um, heavy influences, I'd always liked that concept of the swarm, you know, the hordes of hell, um, and it's something that no other FPS really does. Is you know, can have literal thousands of enemies um, uh, to fight. You know, even things like Serious Sam don't get up to those kinds of numbers, um, and certainly nothing modern gets anywhere near it. Yeah. Um, and so I, so I always like that kind of uh, gameplay concept. Um, uh, big, big, big piles of big piles of demons to go to go blast into into, into tiny chunks. Um, and and yeah, it was just like because I because I mapped for so long by my you know, just beavering away in my own head almost um, uh, on and off and dabbling and I wasn't exposed to any of those kind of preconceived notions. Um, so we or not even preconceived, just you know these these. I guess almost immutable facts. Uh, um, you know, going back uh, if you go back far enough. So when I when I started actually releasing stuff, it's like, well, here's these here are these pretty Jesus Doom maps, but also here's fifteen hundred enemies, and then people are like, whoa, Jesus Doom slaughter. Hmm. I haven't really seen that too much before. Um, hmm. Well, that's the impression that I got. So, um, but there's been if you look over the last kind of four years or so there, there have been a few notable releases of that type uh, i'm thinking of lullaby um in particular um mm-hmm. which is uh yeah stunning um and not not like brutally hard but definitely definitely um in the slaughter um area of uh, of uh, encounter design um so i think i think i can more tapped into rather than brought together two ideas it was more tapping more like tapping into an un an unused market market um, a niche right. that hadn't been serviced before, um, or not not extensively, um, or in a, like or, or by notable uh, mappers, maybe. Um, People sleeping so... on time of death, man. I'm telling you, like <laughs> five hundred wads that he's converted into like Zandronum GZ Doom Compat stuff, and they're all insane. <laughs> 
they are definitely insane. Um, yeah, Tamodius, that's wild. Um, you might be, you might be right there. He might be the next, the next wave. Um, no, it's no, it is. A, you, you, you're right that it, it's a, it is a, a drawing together of seemingly disparate concepts. Um, but um, I think it, I think it, a lot of it was just a GC Doom's performance improvements were a big part of it. Uh, handle bigger maps. There were some major code improvements to to moving dynamic lights in uh, 3.7, I think. Uh, and then the Vulcan backend was introduced in, in version 4. Um, you know, say what you will about Graf. Uh, he works fucking hard on that game, on that on that um, engine, sorry. Um, oh, yeah, I and, agree. I'm a, you know, I'm a bit tires. of a Graf-style apologist, I think. People get yeah, me, a lot. He, and, uh... I'm sure he was a bit of a dick in the past, but haven't we all been that at some point? You know, and the, the dude does absolute tireless work um, he can be and, prickly on the forums for sure but uh you know if you, you and like <laughs> if you message him with a feature suggestion or like you want something fixed or whatever he's usually pretty open about it and will try to fix it if he can yeah and if you couch in the right to like terms that can make it easy to fix you know in terms of what the issue might be or, or, yeah. or providing some examples or whatever you know because like the dude must get messages must, must all the time you know, fix and not in a pleasant way a lot of the time exactly exactly and you so gotta appreciate I... the like he's sort of like the consummate programmer like if he like he wants it to be done as efficiently as possible and it needs to make sort of sense in his brain for him to change it correct kind of correct so, correct because you know. he's got a limited amount of time this is a thing he does for free i'm sure he's got a day job um he can't do everything so he has to prioritize what's important as far as the engines you know improvements go um and 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 focus on those and then if there's something good and promising like um the new light maps um you know if it's if it's too conceptual too rudimentary too undeveloped an idea then no come out it's like no i'm not going to do all this spend all this effort on something that might not work um but if you know if you can get it to a point where it's like hey i can show you a proof of concept i you know you can fold it into the gz doom code and and have it work out the box like this they'd be like yeah well, now I'm interested. Um, so yeah, um, you know, GZ Doom um, has yes, I'm going to say GZ Doom because I'm a New Zealander. Um, <laughs> has has gone through huge improvements, and uh, you know, I arrived um, or certainly started releasing maps around that time of those big improvements, um, and that allowed for more ambitious, um, you know, project concepts and monster counts um, to be uh, to be put into GZ Doom. Um, and um yeah, you know, it's still still not as good as you know a PR boom um at handling massive hordes like PR boom with the the right reject tables. I think what's no reasons map seventy thousand monsters, something insane. Um, yeah, something like that. Something ridiculous. Um you know, Doom can't cannot get anywhere near that. But it can handle five thousand. Um which is Oh, it's way better than it used to be. It couldn't even mm, handle is- like uh you used to do weird chugging in like breathless final fight and stuff like i yeah, remember yeah, yeah. testing and i had to like strip stuff back to make it work in gz but mm-hmm. these days it i would say it's unless you are making stuff like no reason like 70k monsters or whatever it's pretty much just as good yeah i'd say so yeah um it, it, well you know um gazebo uses it as his main test port for sunder um but he uses gz doom as, as his um as his main revelation uh, yeah, I know. Like whenever I tell people that, I'm like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, he obviously still tests it and boom to make sure it works. But um, has um, well, that has gotten him into trouble? I think was it map nineteen? 
some of the um, scrollers, the monster dispensing oh, was yeah, slow. Yeah. I can't remember. Scrollers yeah. are a nightmare between ports. Scrollers are the big compatibility nightmare for sure. Um, but um, yeah, no, Jesse Doom handles all that really, really well now. Um, so you can really push the boat out on these these hyper-detailed slaughter maps um, in a way that you couldn't have even four years ago. Um, so sure. it's um, it's cool. And and it, it also coincides with you know, this rise of, um, well, this this incoming wave of GZ Doom-based games. Um, so I'm really excited to see, um, you know, what those bring, because they all seem to be doing slightly different things, um, mm-hmm. you know, in a good way, you know, lots of uh, variety of concepts. And, um, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it is, at the moment, supercharging GZ Doom development in yeah. a big way. There's a lot happening behind the scenes. Um, um, Nash um, is a big part of it because he's making a game. Um, but he's also a GC Doom dev, so a lot of his stuff that he figures out for his game gets is now getting folded into uh, the GC Doom backend. So um, yeah, there's, there could be some real game changes coming, which is quite exciting. Hmm. Speaking of um, big GC Doom uh, slaughter projects, uh, Bastion of Chaos was that uh, was that always constructed with the idea of it being a solo release, or was it going to be part of one of your other projects at any stage? So um, both. So um, it, I wanted to because I hadn't released anything since Sword of Spectrum, um, which was twenty nineteen, and this was in twenty twenty. So I want to make a map. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've I'm improved. Um, yeah, I feel like I've gotten better. Um, I want to. I want to. You know, best foot forward. Make a map. Go nuts. See what I can do. Um, and see, yeah, you know, and it was a bit of a see how people react to it as well. Um, so I sat down, I think it was March, I started it, 2020, um, and dedicated, like, I'm just going to work on this and nothing else. Um, immersed myself in this, um, this thing, and I did, you know, quality sketching and pulled out uh, various um, bits of art and game screenshots and whatever, like, you know, concepts. That I wanted to to use, so like the windows were inspired by Doom Eternal, um, for instance, um, uh, in the opening room. Um, so I pre I planned it quite heavily, but I also wanted to not pull time away from my larger ambitions, which is you know, Age of Hell. Um, so it was going to be also a proof of concept for that, and I had always planned if it went well for that to also then be converted into an age of hell map um that's how i could justify to myself uh the time spent making a single doom map um um and nothing and, you know and because i think it was about three four months build time um right all up um hundreds of hours it was, it was a lot of a lot of work so yeah it was it was both it was both um um but originally primarily it's for you know its first purpose was um, it was a, a single standalone uh, entity, um, uh, large as it is. Mm-hmm. And how much like planning was involved uh, with uh, like a map like Bastion of Chaos? Like, how much pre-planning do you do, like on paper or or whatever it might be? Or like, are there points where you are simply just drawing lines and seeing where they take you, or do you nearly always sort of pre-plan? Yeah, so I do. By that point, I was pretty heavy into... I mean, I've always enjoyed sketching um, map ideas and little concepts and stuff. 
good good thing to do in boring meetings. <laughs> yeah. um, but the, the the funny thing about Bastion of Chaos is it's actually the the third or the fourth iteration of a map that I first made almost twenty years ago. Um, right. Unrecognizably related, like you, you won't see any similarities. But the core concept, um, yeah, there's a there's a thread that I can you know, a line that I can draw between the ideas because um, it was. Yeah, I'm sure there was two iterations of it way, way back then. Both of them awful. Um, like we're talking classic beginner map kind of stuff. Um, and then when I got back into mapping in 2018, it was one of the maps that I remade um, for that kind of iteration of Age of Hell. And it was actually that map that caught the Elementalism team's eyes. Um, the screenshots that I posted of that. Um, which was actually a really cool looking map. It wasn't that fun, wasn't super fun to play, but it was visually very striking. Um, mm. um, called it's called And Heaven's Cried Blood, which is actually now the one of the episode names for Age of Hell. So I took that. I was like, okay, I'm going to remake this. So I had I had the kind of base layout idea, which was essentially kind of like a central hub, and you branch out to you know um, four different locations, and then reconnoiter into the hub and then that would take you through to a final area um so i, I, re, I re-sketched it again um with a much more kind of organic I don't get yeah much more much more flowing design better loops you know um in terms of um where i wanted to pull the player through and a, and a you know more grandiose kind of structure and then um and then i did um did gather up yeah you know, some some concept art essentially uh to use um so that that's the starting kind of um uh, circular uh, room that you start in that was uh, based on I have no idea where it came from but it was a particular piece of art that I had saved um, I was like cool that's what I'm going to use to start and the, the sigil on the ground that I drew that was that was pulled straight from that and the, the columns around the ring mm-hmm. um, and, and then I started folding in some Doom Eternal um, inspired stuff um, like the stair design um, and the windows um, so a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the map was was quite heavily planned in terms of the broad layouts but then when I started, it was all driven by um, specific visual concepts and ideas um, that I wanted to, 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 to play with. Um, and then, yeah, there was, then it, was, it was just a case of throwing down lines and kind of seeing where they, where they went. Um, I did have like some fight ideas um, in my head. Um, so like the plasma rifle pit, that, was, that, that idea was there from when I started sketching. Uh, that iteration so yeah i always had this idea of this pit where you dropped into it and fought and grabbed it grabbed a weapon and um and then kind of you know came out of it and kept fighting um the super shotgun path that one was did not end up the way that i planned it i had more of like a labyrinth kind of design in my head where you um wove it in and out of, of various pillars and stuff um that ended up quite different uh, that area i actually struggled with more than most in the map in terms of finishing it off i kept like going doing a bit of work there and going away and coming back to it and nah, i'm not yeah. happy with that nah. yeah that um, happens because the other thing i wanted to fold in um because one of the one of the criticisms you know that others and myself have had of with um solar spectrum is it's very symmetrical um you know it's it, it, i mean i love i love my my symmetry particularly my my radial symmetry um and i never never won't Never won't love that. Won't not that one. Yeah, it'll always be good. Always be a I thing I love. You. <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going. <laughs> How many double negatives do I need to put in there? Um, uh, but yeah, that to the point. Like it was, you know, affected the layout, um, uh, particularly Palace of Black Singularity. Um, 
uh, you know, it was detrimental um, uh, in a lot of ways. So one thing I wanted to get away from was that. Um, and uh, actually, to mention at this point, um, uh, touched on it briefly, but Bloodwire Keep for Dying Campbell's Demons 3. That was a that was actually a real watershed moment, a bit of a paradigm shift. Because hmm. there was a, kind of like 1K lines, there was a set parameter that limited ambition. It was a 5120 by 5120 play space and yep. 500 monsters um, with the stipulation of the community project. Um, and it's like, cool, it's another one. Like, cool, there's a limit to how wild I can go. It's another, it's a new port that I haven't made a map in. So, yeah, that sounds like fun. Um, and, you know, look at the, the mapping team. There's like, oh, some cool people on there. Dumps was was ho- helping host it. Um, and Tara was making the map. Um, Marlene was in there. Um, and, you know, hosted by Diane Campbell is the, the kind of overarching personality. Um, and um, Benjo Gami was in there. Yeah, there's some good mappers. Uh, MTX. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, cool little little mapping group um it was a lot of fun um and it was using the original doom textures um so we had the doom one textures folded in there as well um so a simple texture pack boom um so it's very you know a very attractive idea um i actually fully blocked that out um because because there's a limited space i wanted to make sure i had room for all my ideas so i did a really pre-texturing yeah pre-texturing yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so i did a sketch and then use that for a block out which i generally never do but yeah, because of the limited space, I was like, okay, cool, I want to do this thing here, and then I've got this thing here, and this thing here, and then this thing, kind of like four quadrants, got three specific key fights, coming back to a central point where you could use them all and get into the, the final area. Um, and that that deviated, like, deviated from that uh, heavy symmetry quite a lot. Um, and um, that, yeah, I think, you know, looking back, that was quite an important process for me. Um, also smashed that map out. I think it only took like twenty eight hours. It was insane. It was ridiculously quick for. Um, um, was in a great, uh, great headspace for that. Um, mm-hmm. So I want because so yeah, one of the things I want to do with Bastion of Chaos was really was take that to an, another step and get away from <clears throat> too much like overarching symmetry and have yeah. more just yeah different line angles and different different you know view paths and all that stuff and uh, the map that i had in my head when i was thinking about this was aurelius's map that was originally for map which two uh Ar Lumine, um which came oh, out yeah. at a similar, similar time um because he's a master of that of of making that beautiful geometry hyper detailed but also lots of organic shapes and and, and uh, asymmetry yeah it's just it's exquisite exquisite designer um there are a few, um, few better. Um, so I was like, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm quite good at recognizing when a map is not in my wheelhouse in terms of style. So like, um, you know, like a Rubik's stuff, like what I, I love is what he does. It's like, I don't, that's not, I can't do that. So I'm not going to try. Mm-hmm. And Aurelius is definitely that kind of like, a lot of the stuff is like, I, I can't do this without a huge amount of, you know, retro engineering. Um, and I, you know, it feels like not a good use of time. So I'm not going to try. I'm going to focus on what I can do. Mm-hmm. But there were some elements in there that's like, oh, I'm just going to pull a couple of threads and see if I can tie this into my design. Um, and it, well, there, were, there were times where it was a bit of a struggle um, where I was like, it, it, my natural ideas weren't fitting with um, the kind of shapes that I had to work with. Um, but it, I learned a lot. And the good thing about a map of that size is there's always something to work on. So while I might not be... A good thing, you know, yeah. Definitely yeah, gelling. Yeah. I just remember with entropy, like 
you talked earlier about having like an area that you couldn't get to work and there, i just had areas that like sat there for the whole build time that i <laughs> yep, could yep. not fucking decide like <laughs> i hated them for so long and i mean That's eventually funny. the area that i really despised to, like i ended up liking it a lot like it was like one of my favorite parts of the map but it's a real process of those big maps of like iterating and iterating and iterating mm. until you get to a point where you're like happy with stuff and and then you're so fucking sick of looking at the map at that point. <laughs> you just want to look at anything else. Yeah, and I think you've got to recognize when you're bashing your head against the wall in an unproductive fashion. You do, yeah. Um, so I, I yeah, and so what I like, and this is kind of my my process now is you know I'll I'll, I'll go through a map because I build all the geometry first. Um, I do do my my monster placement after um and that's more than just a block that's like pretty pretty heavily detailed lots of finished looking areas not a hundred percent um but you know pretty close to it um but then there's there's, there's usually a couple of these areas where like, i haven't quite fleshed out what i want to do visually or fight wise or, or anything so it's a bit of a blank canvas and i find like if it's if i'm stuck on it when i come back to like kind of do the 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 encounter pass by the time I get around there, I've got an idea of the flow, better idea of the flow of the map. Because I've been, you know, I always start when I'm doing fights. I start at the beginning and work my way through, mm-hmm. um, and it means I've got in my head like a, a sense of what the players up to, how they're feeling, what kind of fights they've been through. Okay, cool. This kind of fight now fit, feels like it'll fit here. Um, and there was one fight in particular um, near the end before you get to that big, uh, the big hall at the end. Um, I call it the um, I call it the mosh pit um it's it's it was a uh, just a flat blank area i was like i don't know what to do in here um and it turns out leave it kind of flat was the answer um end up like you know big waves of monsters on either side that kind of rush towards you into the middle um and turned out to be you know one of my fa- like you say you know one of my favorite fights mm-hmm. um so um yeah I, I i've got to the point where i can i trust myself to be able to eventually work something together um to yeah. a, a satisfactory level but um for me, yeah, I think um, I've gotten to the point where I am confident <laughs> enough that I can delete and like large sections of a map if I think they're just not going to work. I had to do it with Fracture Worlds six, and I ended up deleting it, and then because it just wasn't tying in texture mm. theme wise, and the height variations didn't feel interesting, and uh, it was like a central part of the map, and it didn't really function in terms of interconnectivity and stuff. So I just ended up deleting it, and then. The space that I ended up with, I built in probably an hour, and mm. it did everything I needed it to do. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you have to like spend a lot of time with a space <laughs> to like see what's <coughs> wrong with it in the map, uh, mm. and then once you spend that amount of time with it, you can confidently remove it and, and build something. And go, better. okay, no, yeah, I, I understand the flaws here, so therefore I can build something better. Yeah. Because um, I know Gazebo, he he deletes a lot. Like he'll iterate heavily and delete you know swaths of his map and rebuild them i actually hate deleting things for you um, it must very... be well for you it would be way more arduous because yep. um the, just a lot the more amount of stuff i mean it's not even so much like you have a lot that you would be deleting and having to rebuild but also the way your stuff would connect to each other you're also yep. using a lot of control sectors for 3d floors and potentially for sure, for sure. portal work and stuff so it's, it's a, a bigger, lot more um, convoluted to remove stuff from a map like a bit, what you're doing. A, yeah, bigger opportunity costs to to doing that. And because I I, I start with detailing, um, and and it's very heavily folded into um, the broader construction. You know, the, like I say, it's it's more tightly interwoven with the surrounding elements. 
So yeah. a whole scale clearing of house is a a, a much a bigger deal is quite the right way, but there's a lot of cost associated with it. It's more problematic um, for sure. Yeah, and um, and also it just goes against the way my brain works. <laughs> I don't like. It's not that I don't like, you know, acknowledging that there's a flaw there or, it's, or, or I've made a mistake or anything like that, but it's just like, no, nah, I can, uh, I can work it. I can work this into something good. I um, think for me that ends up being counterproductive sometimes, though. I think for most people it does. I, I would agree. I, I would actually, I tell most people, don't map like me. <laughs> My argument um, also is that you, if you're gonna delete stuff prefab it, like take it out but yes. cut it instead of deleting it, and then yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, save yeah. it as a prefab somewhere because I've used those chunks oh never actually never actually delete anything like properly i would Um, say that is true i think danny also used to do that he keeps a lot of prefabs around and and he would jam them into other maps and and actually bemuse too really big on that i did actually remove a chunk a a, a, quite a big chunk of uh a concept from one of the age of hell maps recently um because the map was getting too big well not yeah it was getting very large um spread spread across three actual different wad files um via a hub system and i had this other thing that i've made a while ago the um the large hadron collider um tunnel and it was like this fight's gonna like what my idea for here is gonna you know multiply the map length by a, an unacceptable amount i think mm-hmm. um so I, I i just cut it yeah so you stopped um, yourself before you <laughs> got carried away it was already isolated like it was it was a it was a separate piece of map that wasn't yeah. connected to anything so i could very easily just go and pull it out and like cool that can go on a yeah, secret map somewhere nice. else yeah so it was an easy and it was a it was an easy decision to make to in terms of the impact it had on the map so like, okay, well, i can just cut this out and use it mm-hmm. somewhere else um yeah yeah, that, uh, yeah. so just it to get need to be done sometimes. just to get back on the bastion uh real quick um the the difficulty in that map is fairly extreme i would say on on ultraviolence and it's a tad spicy uh I suppose I was wondering, did you learn anything in terms of difficulty testing for that map? Like, uh, do, you, do you think this is the general trajectory you want to stay on in terms of difficulty? Or after releasing the map, do you feel you either want to drop it or, like, make it even higher difficulty for next time? Or uh, I don't actually... I don't think... Certainly as far as Doom goes, I don't think too carefully about where i want to go like for next maps kind of thing in, in that regard sure. um i like i just make fights that i think are fun um and at the moment you know that's um on the harder side um, um i did learn a lot about difficulty balancing from that map um and and you know making fun di- like a lot of difficult encounters like the map takes a, a fair amount of time to beat uh and making sure that people don't get worn down or bored, or exhausted, or too exhausted, mm-hmm. you know, having too many similar fights. Because um, one of the original, one of the issues with the first test build was um, I, I, I was definitely overusing arch files. Um, so I actually went and cut them from a bunch of fights. Um, I think yeah, that was a fairly consistent feedback from my testers. It's like yeah, just less arch files. I think um, so. That was yeah, that was that was good. Um, and in hindsight, there's probably maybe maybe one or two too many revenants. <laughs> Um, it is jokingly called Bastion of Owners um, because a quarter of the enemies are revenants. Um, so there's some stuff. That, yeah, it is very good. Um, there's three fights in particular where they're quite revenant heavy and they just they're bang, bang, bang um, all in a row and they're all quite hard. And it's like, okay, they, those ideas, they're fine ideas, but maybe they, they should have been spaced out with some maybe some filler fights or something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yeah, actually, no, I, I'll take, I'll walk that back a little bit. I have been with, um, so element, my elementalism map was is one of the, probably the easiest map I've ever made, um, which was quite, quite refreshing, actually. Um, that was more due to its position in the map set and yeah. elementalism isn't super hard. Um, it's not not dripping with slaughter. Um, there's you know, definitely some some um, some tricky encounters in there, but it's not meant to be um, a punishing map set. So yeah, it's for a um, different demographic. It feels like anyway, from what for I sure, for sure. Um, which was that was actually really nice. It was like okay, this is actually really easy to test. <laughs> I don't yeah. um, I'm not getting my ass uh, uh, kicked in every time I want to practice what play one of my own fights just to see if this thing that broke last time has been fixed. So um, that was that was quite good actually. Um, but with um, yeah, I think. Especially because now, because Bastion is going to be used in Age of Hell, in amongst a whole lot of other maps, in a, you know, big maps, multiple episodes, a lot of content, having a map of that length um, starts to become more problematic and that difficult um, all the time. Yeah. So in a wider project, um, you want to have more ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. Um, more contrast, you know. You want to have, you know, periods of 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 incidental or even no combat um, is is not a bad thing. Uh, in fact, you know, it's, it's a good thing. So yeah, there has been there has been some new considerations that I've had to um, mm-hmm. you know, to keep in mind um, uh, with regards to where that that map is heading and and just what I'm working on uh, long term. You know, with Age of Hell, um, I can't have seven four-hour maps in a row <laughs> yeah. people won't people won't buy that um doom doom fans would probably like it people who like thunder would like it but that's that's not my target market anymore um yeah. and that has but that has definitely been um a learning curve um uh, quite an interesting one as well yeah i think i mean definitely pretty much the same as uh, me with entropy i think where i sort of um, mm. ended up wanting to rein my difficulty back a bit and then I feel like my general fight design is like stronger for it in terms of um, attempting to build stuff that's actually a bit more sableless, run through compatible kind of thing. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, um, you know, because you can still have those those exclamation points, you know, those those um, you know teeth kicking kind of fights. Um, but you know, it's it's quite fun to build to them as well. Um, and, I think um, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, you end up with. Um, well, you end up with ebb and flow a bit more, like yeah, peaks yeah, and, yeah. and I think, well, not so much troughs, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But I think I think I think that is really important from a wider design perspective, and and yeah, that's one of the criticisms of something like Sunder, um, and it, it's more just a statement of fact with Sunder because Sunder is a very specific map set with a very specific uh, mindset, and our, you know, map nineteen in particular is exhausting. <laughs> um, yeah, the new like Sunder maps are definitely a lot, a lot harder and a lot more back-to-back difficult than and the just long setting. as well like yeah. big maps big maps like you can't sit there and play through them back to back well someone might be able to but i certainly can't i think there um, were like moments of quiet in the original sunder like uh furnace had like the platform mm, section and mm, uh, a lot of wandering well, around <laughs> these large open spaces which yeah, you yeah, get yeah. in the newer maps too but uh, yeah yeah 19 in particular was just like uh, it's a a real slugfest um but you know 15 16 17 they're all six hour maps um 32 pretty yeah pretty chunky really good maps um but you know 
utterly draining to try and play more than one um, in a row. Um, so yeah, the, yeah, it's 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 um. Lots of considerations when you're making these large scale things. Sure. Correct, correct, correct. Um, it's um, it's it's good. It's good though. I wonder. Um, do you feel like? I suppose I talked to Skillstar about this in terms of. Uh, that was more in terms of um, his uh, popularity, I guess, as a mapper and having to release things to a certain standard. But for you, do you feel like you've set very high standards for yourself in terms of level of detail and 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 such in your maps that you're sort of constantly trying to reach a certain line count or a certain amount of detail in order for your maps to feel complete? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. So, I, I, you know, I feel like I have set a, hub, a high bar for myself and I, I do um, generally try and reach that. Um, but, you know, I also understand that you can't all the time. You can't always make your best work. Um, not everything you make can be the best thing you've ever done. Um, so I've learned to be okay with at least internally, like, this is good enough. And I don't, I don't look at, like, I don't aspire to specific map count numbers or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Although, it, yeah, seeing the, seeing the numbers go up is, is, is amusing and, and part of the fun. Um, but it's, it's not a driving factor in any, in any way. But, um, you know, it's, it's, a case, it's more a case of, like, se stepping back from a scene and going, you know, what here stands out as lacking. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, is there an area of... of what the player can see that um, uh, stands out for the wrong reason, um, because you can have lower detailed areas in um, you know this this kind of environment um, as long as they, they they don't stick out. So um, something I'll read uh, I talked to a readers about a bit uh, a while back. Um, you know, having that kind of transition to a more simple design and then transitioning out of it that that, that that's all very doable, uh, particularly with um, like. Um, uh, good texture usage and good lighting you know you can make some pretty clean crisp um you know design shapes and make them pop through good use of shadows um or textures that do a lot of the, the detail work um and um but yeah a lot of it is just yeah stepping back whether it's whether it's a, a huge you know um a vista or or a, a a more intimate scene it's like is there anything in here that doesn't feel quite right in terms of how it's detailed and but yeah um the way i design um you know natural areas caves and 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 rock faces and that kind of stuff's a good example i'll just kind of keep fiddling around with them until they you know just kind of feel right um it's like oh that bit needs maybe a little bit different color there so i'll change that texture or reshape that rock a little bit and maybe slope that one a little bit less and i like the way that the light's catching the edge of that one so we'll leave that one there and yeah it's um eventually i just get to the point it's like yeah it's good. Um, i'm happy with this um, mm -hmm. and then and then move on so definitely not uh set specific goals that are kind of hovering over your head no no definitely not no that um um uh much more yeah it's much more chaotic than that um, <laughs> <laughs> um the way to do it yeah yeah and like yeah because i like you know oh there's one area in, in bastion of chaos there was a floor um in the final uh big cathedral room um off to the left hand side it's like floor looked too blank it was a Big space, looked a bit empty, um, but I didn't want to build anything there because it was kind of integral to the fight. So, like, so I, I made a texture, you know, big pentagrammy kind of design and slapped that down, um, utilizing uh, UDB's very uh, awesome image export tool. Um, so yeah, that was a good example. Like, not happy with this. Feels a bit. This bit feels a bit bare. Let's mm -hmm. just fill it with something just to break up the visuals a little bit, a little bit of color variance because um, it wasn't anything too complicated. 
um, or, or overly uh, overly designed, um, but just something to to break up the monotony monotony um, of uh, of of one particular surface, uh, and that worked well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so moving on to something a bit smaller, your micro sort of community project now. Uh, it showed like what you can do with title limitations and mm. sort of focusing on smaller encounters and. I quite liked the map. I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, I enjoyed the combat, and I wondered if you'd considered like releasing a set of smaller slaughter maps, since you've done stuff like you know Thousand Lines and things like that, just for honing encounter design and, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's the kind of thing. Like, um, I was, there was a project that me and Sina were talking about um, that was actually going to be that a bunch of smaller boom maps. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's time. Time's the issue at the moment. Um, yeah, of course. Um, but no, I really enjoyed the micro slaughter project. I think it was a great idea, um, and obviously, um, you know, um, I think it was developed in parallel. Haste, um, uh, yeah, it, somewhat. Um, I'm not sure if um, if Scotty was inspired by the idea, but it was certainly around a similar time. Um, but yeah, those those smaller, small, intense maps like that are a lot of fun to make and and a lot of fun to play because um, they don't suffer from, you know, should we call it the Sunder slog. Um, and great way to introduce people to the the genre, I guess. Um, but yeah, that map was fun because I wanted to, yeah, talk about not being driven by numbers. I really wanted to have a thousand monsters in the map. <laughs> right. um, so it was it was a challenge to have a thousand monsters but make it beatable in five minutes because that was the the kind of overarching stipulation for the for the micro element was a five minute you know playthrough on UV killing most of the monsters. Um, if not a UV max. Um, so um, I did a lot of, it's the first time I've really even, even attempted kind of UV max kind of stuff, you know, speed running through my own map, um, which was a lot of fun for testing. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, and the way I built it was you could you could take your time and have a slower playthrough and make it a lot easier for yourself. Um, or if you, or you could try and play aggressively and, um, and uh, take a few more risks um, uh, which um, yeah, like I said, I think the combat came out really, really good. Um, it, it's got a great you know kind of run and gun section to start with, which is not something I do too often. Um, you know, with lots of options uh, in terms of where you might head first, and then you know, good good main set piece um, in that fountain room um, where um, you get the BFG and all the all, uh, all hell breaks loose, um, and then a little you know a little bit of a uh, a nightcap to finish it off. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, I think it's a great map. I would, I would actually enjoy, I, you know, if I, if I had time making a six to ten map set of, of that kind of stuff, I think it would be heaps of fun. Yeah, it'd be. Um, I think that would be cool to see. Um, and yeah, probably. Oh, maybe I don't know if I'd do it in Boom or UDMF, but um, either or, it would, yeah, either, yeah, sticking with Boom would help keep things simple. Because um, um, yeah, I don't might help you finish the project quicker a little bit. Yeah, yeah, because um. Um, all going, all going according to plan. I hopefully quit my day job sometime next year, um, and I would like to, you know, even when I'm getting into full time game dev, I'd still, I still want to make Doom maps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I still want to do your own community projects and all that kind of stuff. So something like that would be would be quite tempting. Um, you know, uh, my spare time to 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 dabble with uh, and, and and spit out some um, yeah some small spicy uh, Boom maps. Um, find a texture pack that I hadn't used before. I think would be the, the cool thing to do. Um, yeah, there's so many out there. Like, yeah, there are a lot of really good ones, a lot of unique ones. I mean, even just we, mixing them together and creating interesting stuff. Yeah, like you know, 
bit of goth text, a bit of patch text, and you know, a few CC4s in there. Because it's funny because um, I didn't actually use CC4 until we used it for a speed mapping session. Uh, I was like, ah, this text is actually quite cool. Um, There's a lot of useful di- stuff in it, I think, more than anything. Yeah, and it's got a bit of a meme status in the community because it's been around for so long and you know, it was a core part of a huge number of projects uh, for a long time. I mean, time. it was kind the like, OTEX of its day, really. Like, it that's was what I was going to say, kind of like <laughs> OTEX is now. Yeah. Um, and as great as OTEX is, it's like I'm kind of kind of ready for, you know, to use something else. I think um, Yukiro was saying he was sick of seeing OTEX. <laughs> yeah, I know. <don't>, <laughs> well, he lived and breathed making it for 20 years uh, and yeah. yeah, like every man and his dogs using fucking OTEX in their yeah. team. What's... <laughs> I mean, the problem with anything like that is that it skews lower quality a lot of the time because you a lot of yep. new people come into the community and then they build their first maps using OTX. Yeah, and then like, you're like, just by this? default, you sort of end up with um sort of some not so amazing texturing within stuff. But you know. yeah, um, although for like, because um, it took me a while to see the first OTX map that I went there. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a nice, it, it does a lot of lifting for you. Um, if you remotely think about what textures to put where. Um, but I have seen some pretty garish. I did um, toy with... Uh, me and Benjo have been working on a collab map for a, a community project um, and initially wanted to make... I, I had talked to Benjo in the past because this uses like quite a lot of Otex re- resources, but I talked to Benjo a little bit about deliberately making something absolutely hideous in Otex just to see what we could do. You definitely could. Uh, I think it'd be, um, good. it'd be fun. Some of those vibrant... it's, it's very 64 based, a lot of the textures, like yes. size. So it'd be really good to just fuck with all the offsets and, and yeah. make it look as ugly as possible. I think that would be fun. Oh. And because there's like quite a wide color range, you know, there's pinks and blues and reds, and like, you could do oh, something like default nearly... purple and soft. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pure gray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you could definitely uh, make something pretty, um, pretty uh, eye bleedy. Um... And yeah, knowing what Benjo does with stock Doom textures, I'm kind of scared. <laughs> That'd be great. I want to do it one day. Well, <laughs> uh, so, moving we're back, or we're moving away from Boom, we're back to your comfort zone, your ballpark uh, with GZ Doom. Uh, Elementalism, one of many ambitious projects you've undertaken or been a part of, I suppose, in this case. Uh, what are sort of the overall goals for that project in terms of deciding, like, designing maps that utilize UDMF features? Yes, it's, um... Because Elementalism started a long time ago, I think, like, six years. Yeah, well, you said it was the um, same time as Refracted Reality, so... Quite that's when it was... That's when I joined it, but I think it had been going for almost two years at that point. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been a long time, long time in the oven. Um, but elementalism um, always had the kind of design brief of really pushing the boundaries of of GZ Doom and UDMF, but still feeling somewhat classic Doom um, and and adhering to those traditional kind of um, level design and gameplay concepts. Um, so not not trying to go for, for for wild new movement mechanics or crazy weapons like the, the weapons apart from the wand are all um, are all stock. Um, the core Doom bestiary is still there. Um, each episode has like four or five custom enemies, but they're all you know Realm Six Six Seven derivatives. You know classic kind of Amiscaria, Baron variants, and all you know stuff most people have seen before, and certainly um, uh, adjacent to. Um, the, the classic monsters 
Mm-hmm. Um, but but visually, it's it's you know right up there with with some of the the wilder stuff. Um, particularly um, a, a few maps in particular, um, like um, Remy's Earth Four map, uh, which is inspired by um, Dark Souls. Um, oh yeah, and it's it's insane. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's got that oppressive um, grit to it uh, and a sense of scale that um, you know. Uh, Max Gazebo uh, raises eyebrows. It's it's very impressive. Um, mm-hmm. And has and, has there been like a lot of emphasis on sort of creating encounters uh, that could only function in GZ Doom? Because that's something that I like as somebody who like I really love the UDMF format, but I feel like encounter design uh, for GZ Doom, like I want to see more of like <laughs> almost what Tarakin does, where really yeah. messed up stuff that you can do uh, strictly <laughs> only with acs and and like with udmf features is definitely what i'm interested in when it comes to that. yeah no there is there is some so um like i said like the, the gameplay at its core is pretty is pretty traditional mm-hmm. um in terms of the, the you know decent set pieces and and, and whatnot the bosses are 100 percent. the bosses where it really breaks the boundaries right. um so you know Bosses in Doom have traditionally been a letdown. They're a hard thing to do well, um, yeah. particularly using existing assets. So you see a lot of cobbled together stuff, um, just big, nastier variants of original monsters. Um, you know, there's there's not a whole lot out there um, uh, in terms of new boss ideas that actually go back. You go, holy shit, that was a lot of fun. Um, certainly not that I've experienced anyway. So there's a huge amount of time and effort put into the boss encounters and elementalism. Uh, and we are talking thousands of lines of code uh, per encounter. Um, Ball uh, was an absolute fucking trooper doing all that. Because he's not, he's not like a coding genius like a Mr. Cat or someone like that. He, he's good, but he's very methodical, quite brute forcey you know, um, in terms of, of, of what he does. You know, doesn't really know Zscript. So it's a lot mm-hmm. of decorate and ACS. Um, like one of them, the, uh, the one of the bosses is a big snake monster, and it's made out of a, multiple actors that follow a path. That path is all manually done through an interpolation points, um, and it, it's just like that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. um, there, there would have been an easier way to do it if you knew you had deep knowledge of say Z script, but for him, it's like this works. This is very robust. Doesn't break. Does what I need it to do. Cool. We're just gonna copy do all these lines of code and, and and make it work so the bosses are very much stuff you won't have seen before um okay. uh in, in in doom uh combat um and they're, they're fucking awesome they're very impressive uh you know new um art assets made for them um and um yeah immensely impressive um yeah cool sounds yeah sounds like maybe something i'd be interested in seeing yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm just trying to think if in the general combat is um, anything that stands out. Um, yeah, there's, there is some there is some stuff, probably not quite as groundbreaking. Uh, the bosses are where that kind of um, design idea really shines. You know, mm-hmm. stuff that um, you you haven't seen really done before in, in um, Doom and or, or GZ Doom. Um, mm-hmm. And because it's yeah. sort of pushing these boundaries in terms of what GZDM's capable of and, and uh, you know, it's definitely, when I, when I talk about sort of uh, 
UDMF projects that are doing a lot of um, things that you don't normally see in Boom. I always talk about the Quake Uncanny Valley is how I describe it. Where you, have, <laughs> where you get to this period where it starts to be so 3D that it starts to feel a lot less like Doom. Yeah. And I was yep, wondering, yep. like, during the process, do you guys have to kind of rein yourselves in a little bit to ensure that the final product still feels like a Doom mod, or is that not really so much of a concern? I don't think there was any, there were any too many issues with that, with elementalism, because we were using the, the classic Doom monsters, so we couldn't go too hog wild with 3D, you know, physical space, layered, you know, layered platforms and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, it was, um, you know, most of the 3D elements are used for, for detailing, um, you know, skyboxes and portals and, and whatnot to create a bigger sense of space mm-hmm. um, rather than actually layering um, gameplay areas on top of each other. Um, that being said, there are some that do that more. Um, so, um, again, balls maps uh, in particular um, have a bit more of that feel. I still don't think they feel like Quake, but if you looked at them a certain way, you could, I think. Um, thinking of one of his water maps in particular, um, which has. You, you, did you see that rotating, that wild rotating staircase? Oh yeah, I've seen. I've seen the staircase. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the the staircase. It is really um, cool. It's it's insane. Um, that map in particular has. It feels like an Indiana Jones temple. Um, lots of um, nooks and crannies and stuff. That's got probably the most kind of layered geometry. Um, um, of any of the uh, the elementalism maps, but for the most part, they're very, very much like you occupy a certain plane for the combat and the gameplay, and the stuff that you see above and below is mostly um, there to uh, to for detailing, yeah, to create yeah. a bigger sense of space and and the environment. Because um, a lot like the skyboxes do a lot of work there. Um, Ball, yeah, actually. I've seen some of those skyboxes, and they are very he, impressive. Turned every map into a model and stitched them together in each episode and turned that into a skybox. So what you see is actually the maps that you're playing through. So if you're in map <laughs> yeah, three, you really look cool. you look in one direction of the skybox, you'll see the, the maps you've finished, and you look in the other direction, you'll see the maps you're going to. So where your perspective is in the skybox changes in each map. It's easily the coolest skyboxes I've ever seen in. in uh, oh yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> it's so yeah, cool. No, I love that kind of stuff. Oh, it's amazing attention to detail, um, but it creates this, um, this incredibly lush environment that you that, that's really impossible to do with actual in-map geometry. You only can really do that with skyboxes, and that's what modern games do, like you do yeah. Eternals. You'd have to do pistons. something like build fake versions of the, <sighs> the maps, like that you look yeah. sort of like them from a distance, but weren't actually them, and yeah. Yeah, exactly, which is pretty much what's, because they've been turned into models and shrunk down and, yeah, dropped in a in a, in a skybox area um so that's pretty much what's been done but because they're just straight model exports of the maps they are identical yeah. um and also uh, probably pretty light on it like fps and stuff oh ex- yeah definitely like almost zero um yeah, uh nice. cpu gpu load other than what you know just standard skyboxes cost um which is yeah which is amazing mm-hmm. i wonder um like with this with the huge amount of sort of large scale projects that you're working on, have you found that like because you are known for sort of streaming your mapping constantly, uh, do do you find that that's like a good way of keeping yourself moving? Like, do you find that you're more incentivized to map because uh, like you you have to stream it? Hundred percent. That's one of the main reasons I I do streamers. Um, uh, it keeps me focused, which is 
sound might sound counterintuitive um, uh, to to people that you know having an audience or or, or people in, you know because I often do them in v, you know in a voice chat as well. Yeah, you know, all those distractions might you know uh, hamper, but it's like no, no, this is the thing that I'm here to do. Like, I can't yeah. you know, get distracted by YouTube or go make a sandwich or 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 whatever. Or a um, map which. <laughs> You know, it's like I, this is this is what I'm doing. It is mapping time. I am now mapping. Um, so no, it, it very much is a big part of of my productivity. Um, is um, that kind of symbiotic relationship to the point where I find it really hard to map if I'm not streaming. <laughs> right. Um, you got I, I, I find, having an audience for it. Well, it's just this weird thing in my head now. It's not so much the audience; it's just the the two are just so interlinked now that you know um, I might have some fixes to do on a map. Is like just actually sit down and open Doom Builder um, in a, a quote-unquote normal environment feels almost weird. Um, yeah, right. Um, so there's a little bit of a double-edged sword, but on the whole, yeah, definitely a, a big boost to productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, aside from, you know, the mapping, the streaming, everything else, you've also you've got a podcast of your own where you've interviewed some uh, pretty fantastic guests. We We talked about this a little bit in... Uh, DMs and stuff, but uh, I was curious um, if you could talk a bit about interviewing John Romero for the podcast and and what that experience was like for you. Yeah, that was that was a hell of a thing. Um, it's funny because I was talking to um, to Ty the Motherload um, who uh, runs in the Keep um, podcast and mm-hmm. Associated Endeavors, lovely man. Um, and I've been on you know I've been on his podcast, and um, so that was what inspired me to actually get into it. Um, was um you know seeing the kind of cool people that he got to talk to and how much fun it was and it's like oh this seems kind of like something to maybe try and um I was talking to him because he's very good at just straight up asking people if they want to come on his show and he he credits his kind of success to um getting Andrew Holshaw on very early very early on um I think he met him at like QuakeCon one year mm-hmm. and there, there may have been alcohol involved. And he just like, oh, to get my podcast. He's like, sure, like, <laughs> and just putting yourself, putting himself in those in those positions, asking those kinds of people. Like he's had Dave Oshery and um, you know lots of lots of huge names in, in game dev because um, he just he just asks because the worst you know the worst thing that can happen is they say no uh, or ignore you. Yeah, so, I mean it's interesting. Uh, like you don't really think like once you ask, like I've asked and a number of people who I thought would not come on the show and yeah. yeah. Um, every single person pretty much has said yes so. i think and because like um within within this industry you know the, the indie game scene and I, I think um doom's pretty similar like people like this stuff like, you know, like coming talking about what they do and podcasts are yeah. not normally a pretty uh you know a friendly atmosphere it's there's no it's just a matter of a bit of time a couple of hours um so there's not much cost there um and it's an enjoyable experience and you, know, you might get some publicity you know if you're if you're thinking about that kind of thing um you know promotion for your works or whatever um so even quote-unquote professionals like doing this kind of stuff um yeah so i was talking to ty and we were talking about the, i was like have you, i think i just asked him have you ever met on your show and he's like no i haven't i haven't i don't think he'd even asked him yeah i can't remember but he hadn't hadn't and i was like fuck I want to. I want to interview. I want to talk to John Romero, and he's just like, just go ask him. <laughs> I was like, shit, you're right. <laughs> it's like I had no, I had no, I had no counter. I was like, I, I no, it was like, huh, you're, I, I could, I could just go and ask him. Um, so I, I 
yeah, like like I told you, I went through the uh, the website contact form email there. Hello, Mr. Romero. Would you like to come on my podcast and talk about level design? And um, it wasn't him that replied. It was his um, executive assistant. It was just like, hey, he'd love to come on. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, now it's um, actually happening. It's like, okay, this is this is huge. Um, holy shit, it's John Romero. Because there are um, the, um, you know, that it's, I wouldn't quite call him an idol because I don't really, I don't really do the hero worship thing. But he's, yeah, he's he's up there. Yeah, this is a this is, you know credit to Doom, level, you know, seminal level designer, um, all around cool person, and also a big deal for for other people. I think was more uh, where the excitement and, and nervousness came from. It's like this is this will be this will be a momentous occasion, um, yeah, for mm-hmm. the Doom community. And um, but he done he done some pretty some interviews for some other things that were you know they weren't massive so. He'd, he'd engaged with you know, community level um, kind of like interviews and questions and stuff like that quite mm-hmm. a lot. So he obviously liked doing that. Um, you know, he's not 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 a not not the kind of person who's like, ah, oh, no, you're not a big enough platform for me to engage in. So I was, I was, you know, that that helped like in the lead up process. Um, but then, yeah, so then he said yes, and it was a matter of just uh, locking down a time, um, which took a little bit a little bit of back and forth because he's a busy man um but um yeah like on the day i it's the most nervous i've been for a long time <laughs> yeah. um we're talking like fifth form giving a speech kind of nervous um <laughs> you know for english class which i always hated um and um like i was it was i think it was 6 a.m no we started at 7 a.m my time sunday morning and i was seriously tempted to have like whiskey to settle my nerves <laughs> like Tempting, but I probably shouldn't. Um, um, but um, I don't know if even I'm getting out at uh, at six a.m. on a Sunday, even for John Romero. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was up at five. So I'd be like, I, look, I John, to... the it's not going to be high quality it's... if I have to get up at this time. <laughs> it's like, mate, I love you, but you're not that you're not important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but he was he was an absolute fucking lovely person. He was just so easy to talk to. Um, I felt like he he was he really enjoyed the like the the top like because I asked him afterwards, uh, you know what made you, um, what made you say yes, and he, he told me you know I don't often get, actually get to talk about level design specifically like I was you know mm-hmm. he does the 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 I'm John Romero and I make Doom kind of interviews you know must yeah, sure. must get a thousand requests for those a day kind of thing um, but done to death um, and you know to talk about you know. Uh, old school level design and and you know that kind of thing it, it must have resonated with him to some degree um and yeah he was he was really into it and um it was um quite funny uh the the kind of like the momentous uh point of the the show which was the reveal of sigil 2 mm-hmm. i didn't realize that that was a fucking scoop that he hadn't announced that yet because uh, when he said it's like oh such a true cool it's like oh they must right. that must have been that must have been said somewhere that must he be known like, yeah they must have tweeted that somewhere there must be an article somewhere they're like oh, i'm making sigil 2 now hey sweet oh, that sounds like cool oh yeah sigil 1 was good i'm looking forward to sigil 2 and just moved on <laughs> mm-hmm. um and then like fucking twitter there's all these you know various platforms announcing john ramiro has just announced sigil 2 like wait shit no one knew about that that was that Maybe was he that didn't was fucking realize he hadn't announced it. 
<laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I doubt it. I actually thought maybe he didn't. I don't actually think he planned on it. It was just we were just talking about it. It's like, hey, no, Stitcher 2 will be a thing. And it was such a natural part of the conversation that all of it, we just kind of moved. We just go like, oh, sweet. All right. Next question. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, it was, it was amazing. Like, it was, it mm-hmm. was like bucket list highlight of the life of your life kind of thing. Um, getting to talk to yeah, him. Sure. And, and, and it's such a, and it's such a, a had such a positive experience with it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he's all, like in every interview I've heard with him, he's always, uh, he just seems happy to be talking about like games. Like he, he still has that like childlike enthusiasm for what he does. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, he's a man doing what he loves and it shows, um, you know, yeah. it really shines through, um, in his interactions with people. Um, and, and his um, memory is so good for it too that I think he's, yes. he's a good interview because he actually remembers <laughs> what was happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Hi, Sandy. I hope you're doing well. Um, and yeah, no, you're right. So you know, when you ask him a question, he's got all that information and knowledge and, and experience, you know, right there. That so you know, there's 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 always things to pick at and you know, little uh, tangents that you can go down. And he's happy to. Um, you know, to reminisce about that kind of stuff, um, which makes it just a really natural, um, you know, conversationalist. Mm-hmm. Um, which, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, what well, it was really, it was very, very, I was very worried that the conversation would be stilted and, and very like, here is your question and here is my answer, blah, 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 you know, but it was, it, it, it um, yeah, probably took about five or 10 minutes for us to warm up, um, particularly me <laughs> with my nerves. Um, but, um, yeah, once we got into, um you know moving through the topics and whatnot it was um it, yeah it felt it felt quite natural which was yeah was yeah no it was, a, it was a good listen sure yeah. uh so i guess to move on to the big the big thing that you're working on uh at the moment which is age of hell and it's uh it's become as far as i'm aware it started its inception as just a sort of a mod for doom and then grew into standalone game uh can you talk a bit about sort of the early conceptual stages of the project and how it became its own game yeah so i I mentioned earlier like the whole um i want to make a megawatt uh dream um that actually like so the i can trace it all the way back to back to the um originally the original concept was called insanity and the idea was based off there's a looking doom back to dnd again there's a mad fucking wizard in D&D called Halister who is constantly making a dungeon and filling it with monsters for adventures to fight in. <laughs> um, so it's this great, like, it's like, almost like a procedural generator for uh, for uh, encounters. And I like, because you know, I've always liked the abstract design. It's like, ah, that idea sounds kind of cool where you just kind of like quest into this random kind of place where there's all sorts of wild, crazy shit and it doesn't have to make sense because it's this mad wizard building it um so that was the original kind of concept um and then it quickly devolved into a whole lot of hellscapes because <laughs> that's what i like to make um right. and i can't remember when i started referring it like at least in my head because that uh, was just me beavering away in, in my own home uh, from time to time uh as age of hell but it was it was a while ago it was at least 10 years ago no definitely more than that now um and um at that point yeah it was a doom a doom mod and pretty early on i started folding in custom stuff i didn't really know how so it was a lot of experimenting and fucking around um and um pulling things from various resource packs and assets and 
plunging them together in deep sea, um, which uh, I'm amazed worked, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I remember having a lot of trouble putting the Alien Vendetta textures into my resource pack because I was using um, Retrez as a base, which is the um, Eternal Doom oh, yep. uh, resource pack because I loved, I fucking loved <clears throat> Eternal Doom. Um, oh, interesting. When I, back then when I played it, because it was all this gothic crazy stuff. It, yeah, it, was one of the, it was one of those projects that really pushed the boat out on what, on concepts and, and, and wild ideas. Um, it's uh, obviously a bit of a meme now, um, but it's a pretty important wad. Um, and at that time when I was younger, I had a lot more patience. So the convoluted level design, I actually enjoyed a lot more than I would now. Um, you know, getting lost in these big Gothic castles and like Matt 31, that town, the, the level progression that is absolutely fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's impressive. Is always telling me to play Eternal. Oh, it's good. It's worth a play. It's a, it's a, it's an experience. I think you actually quite enjoy it. It's not like, um, it's not like Community Chess One. It's not that level of, uh, <laughs> of uh, memory, but um, <laughs> it, it's, it's impressive. It is impressively put together, and there is, there is thought in it. Um, but it is highly obtuse uh, at times. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, Eternal, Eternal Doom was a. Uh, was a big, a big early inspiration. I talked about uh, DS Vault and Sunder, um, but Eternal Doom, like in terms of cool ideas, was pretty. Um, it was pretty uh, uh, impactful on me at the time. So I started, you know, found Realm Six, Six, Seven, like everyone does at some point in their life. I'm like, cool, I'm going to add everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I think at one point there was like eighty different mon- new monsters in um, that I'd taken from there. So I, I did that thing. Um, I had like two or three weapons on every key from one to zero, uh, one to nine. Um, just like add all the things. Um, so it would have been awful, um, but it was fun to make. Um, and um, yeah, so I gave up on that particular iteration. Shit, that would have been early 2000s. Mm-hmm. A while, a while back, um, and I can't remember what the catalyst for that. I probably got distracted by Diablo three, to be honest, or something like that, because um, I love, I love my RPGs. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Part of Exile, yes. Um, that was that was another five years of my life. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so the, you know, because I treated mapping like gaming, it was just a fun thing to do. You know, I found another game to play essentially, um, mm-hmm. and, and and disappeared into that. And then I came back um, a few years later and, yeah, picked up the same resources, essentially the same project, and kind of started making stuff again and remaking some old maps and came up with some stuff that I actually still think looks fucking good today and stuff I probably won't try and reuse, but I will rebuild the concepts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, talking about um, you know, inspirations and construction um, there's a map, and this this was this was a bit of a another one of those kind of like watershed moments for me, where I rebuilt, I made a project, a building, a, a construction project that I'd actually worked on. Um, so this would have been 2009, because um, I was still an apprentice, and we were building like a a, um, a services facilities kind of block for a retirement village. They had a restaurant, um, a mm-hmm. library, um, like a janitor's 
workshoppy kind of place. So lots of interesting rooms. It wasn't like just a bunch of apartments or anything like that. It was quite an interesting layout, and it was linking to an old building. And yeah, it had really it was, the architect was old school, hand sketched everything. So there was it had a lot of really cool design ideas. And I remember like this would be this could be quite a cool Doom map actually. This it feels like there's flow here, <laughs> you know, from you a guys retirement here. Um, so i literally turned a retirement village into a doom map um and that came out really good i think um and uh really uh, you know i took several steps in terms of you know my 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 hyper detailing and um this was before um dynamic lights um so i was still using sector lighting but yeah lots of really um heavily gradated lighting um um and yeah the colors like everything clicked the color schemes the texture usage it just it just felt really really good um in a way that hadn't i hadn't felt mapping before then it felt like i really hit something and then and because this is also when i discovered that doom builder existed um and i found doom builder one and then quickly realized that that had been deprecated by doom builder two um so i had a better editor um which which helped a lot um you know um that doom builder 2 uh, at its time was was amazing uh incredible tool um but then i had the side death limit for the editor and my map wasn't even close to finished and i got annoyed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um i was like okay fuck this i can't yep no nah, i'm done um and it was probably you know they were probably getting close to just natural burnout points anyway mm-hmm. um after a couple of years of mapping um and then i think i disappeared into path of exile <laughs> um at that point, um, that would have been, yeah, 2010-ish. Um, but, yeah, the kind of idea at that point for Age of Hell had been you know, well-established in my head. Um, you know, just these abstract, um, you know, hell maps. Um, at that point, they weren't following any particular themes. There weren't episodes. It was just, I'm going to make a blue map now, and now I'm going to make a green map. Like, just, you know, try to mix up the color schemes a bit and use use some interesting textures, but wasn't really following any particular um, uh, plan or path um, uh, in terms of you know, any narrative arcs, no storyline, um, no um, uh, kind of um, design growth, I guess, um, that you're pulling the player through. Um, but yeah, it was, a lot, it, was, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, there's, 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 yeah there, there are some good ideas there that I'll be revisiting and resurrecting in, in some shape or form. Um, and then... Then, yeah, like I said earlier, you know, the post, you know, finally found Doom World and created an account and shared, shared some of those uh, screenshots with the, from the retirement village map, um, the ones that I posted, um, and that kind of re-triggered um, work on, um, you know, the Doom mod version of Age of Hell. Mm-hmm. So we created the thread and you know started you know making a little bit of attention, um, interacting with the community, you know, getting a few people to help out over the next year or so. Um, you know, meeting people and, and all that kind of stuff. So that that was that was that that was what you know the genesis of you know the current iteration. I think you know can be traced back to that kind of reintroduction um, uh, and you know joining uh, the community in, in some shape or form. Um, because you know, as much as I enjoyed doing it um, by myself and at my own pace and for my own reasons, without releasing maps, without external feedback without some sort of extrinsic motivator it's hard to keep going yeah um 
you know, it, it, you'll, you'll stop, I think, is fair to say. Um, you'll, you'll just well, it's kind hard of like, to yeah, come up with that. sort of... Uh... It's hard to push yourself in new directions, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't you don't get exposed to new ideas. Um, you know, you you stagnate and then you lose interest. And that yeah, you know, that's fine. If that um I, I have no no regrets or anything uh, of that kind of um ilk um for the way I did that. I think um yeah, it was the right thing for me at the time. It was it was a lot of fun and um yeah, sure it would have been maybe nice to have released something back then, but I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> um <laughs> So then, uh, like you, it seems like you've got a lot of extra people on board for Age of Hell, and like I, I think uh, Mr. Cat does the monster design for it, correct? And then, yeah. So there was an initial wave of of people, um, some of which are still around, like Sino. Um, but um, you know, like any team building a team, there's there's you know hits and misses, and you know quite often that's got nothing to do with um, you know individuals. It's just you know people get busy and and maybe they don't quite. You know, fit with the, the the other you know like some personality clashes here and all that all that kind of usual team building stuff. Yeah. Um. So that that initial when it was a mod, yeah, you know, that was that was you know an attempt was made there. Um. But then yeah, Mister Cat, he was that was definitely a um an important piece of the puzzle, and he was he was originally just brought on to make music. Um. And I started talking because like, hey, it's another another New Zealand another Kiwi. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they are rare uh, in the Doom community, so that was cool. Um, and yeah, it turns out he's a, you know a, a multi-talented sorcerer of dark power <laughs> <laughs> um, when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, and you know, he started. He started like, all right, make some, let's, let's make some monsters. Like he started just tooling around and making shit. Um, yep. And from that. Yeah, having him as a contributor and and um, you know someone working on the project—that's where the idea to do a full asset replacement came. Um, so it was still kind of a TC then, you know, Doom based, um, but it was going to be replace replace the existing um, Doom monsters with new versions that were based on it, so they're you know still analogous to. Um, the classic Doom enemies, but but made from scratch, you know, new attacks, you know, slightly enhanced behavior, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and we went from there. And once you start down that path, it's not that far to standalone game. Yeah, for um, sure. And the monster design is really, uh, it's quite unique. Like, uh, I don't, <laughs> well, I don't want this to sound bad because I don't mean it in a bad way, but they, <laughs> the monsters have like a strange kind of, almost claymation sort of feel like they feel very burton-esque i think uh, yes and i think that's down yeah down to cat's workflow so you're like claymation is a good a good kind of comparison point because they're made in sculpt i think the program sculptress so it's like they're like being sculpted out of clay so they've got this organic kind of roundness to them and you know things are like drawn like pulling on a you know you pull on a on a like uh, play-doh or something it's kind of like string coming out of it and um you know you're 100 right there um and then so they're made as models um and and sculptress then and and painted rend then rigged you know, to animate and blender yeah. and then exported as sprites yeah. so it is very much like a stop motion process like pose the model here pose the model here as opposed to an old like a more traditional hand-drawn method where you're drawing each frame from scratch 
um, yeah. whether it's pixel art or, or hand-drawn or whatever. Um, so it is literally just taking photos as the monster moves through a motion, um, which is, um, I think it's a more common workflow now, but yeah, certainly... Yeah, stuff like Blender and, and things like that. <clears throat> certainly not ultra common, though. And um, yeah, and also the, you know, Cat's got his own design sensibilities um, um, that, are, that are unique. And yeah, no, I think, I think that he's done a fucking incredible job um because of that sort of unique visual style have you had to uh work the map design uh because like you can run into problems where those those types of things look out of place and and having like i played through the demo of age of hell and and i didn't really feel that they did look out of place i was wondering if any consolations were made to sort of making sure that the monsters fit into the space and is that more on mr cat's end or do you do anything mapping wise to to help yeah so the um so one of the interesting thing that's that's now happening with age of hell is um essentially a lot of the otex stuff's going to get uh replaced um because there's no commercial license for otex yeah um so um we've got um uh, uh, gazebo is one of them we've got some texture texture artists um uh, contributing um so because one of the one of the issues in with the new monsters and particularly in the demo is uh you know differentiation between them and the background and telegraphing of attacks one of the one of the things there is people are used to doom monsters and these don't look like and they move differently so it's hard you know when a revenant and doom is about to fire you know people have played a lot of doom instantly recognize that frame they take that lean yeah, exactly. or a shotgun is about to fire. They take the, hold that pose and like, you're going to shoot me. Um, you know, we are attuned to those specific frames to a high degree. Um, whereas um, something like age of hell where the monsters behave and attack at the same speed as do monsters essentially. But we I don't, you know, people don't have, and it was the same for me, you know, someone who's making it, you don't have that intuitive instantaneous recognition of a firing frame i was getting my ass kicked <laughs> it's just like oh that, that monster just fired at me and i'm i've just taken damage i didn't didn't notice that you know um so that kind of thing making sure that telegraphing is really clear um and, and that's something that should be intrinsic with the enemies regardless of the environment that they're placed in but um it is something that does need to be considered more as um because you know the doom monsters classic doom monsters are an absolute masterclass of good sprite design in terms of you know they stand out their silhouettes are all distinctive uh for the most part um and you know their, their firing animations are really clean and clear um the noises they make um you know they're, they're, it's having now gone through the process of making them you know give me a new appreciation for just how good classic doom um, enemy designers, oh yeah, uh, and, a, and a variety. It's 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 the proof is in the pudding. Like uh, proof of pudding's in the eating. Like we're still using it thirty years later, and you know, making a lot of you know, everyone's people still come up with new fun fun ways to use them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're they're, they're nigh on flawless. <laughs> um, spider mastermind aside, um, um, yeah. So, like, what specific challenges do you think have come up actually, like, on that topic, like creating a fresh sandbox for a game in terms of like weapons and monsters? Are there like a lot of balancing challenges? Are you, are you yeah finding niches that are missing and having to fill them with like a brand new monster, or are you trying to sort of maintain that original 
Doom setup and then sort of uh, work around that. Yeah, so we've essentially got the base Doom bestiary and then and then some. Um, so the but the the base ones, you know, um, they are enhanced. But then each episode has a you know a, a set of unique monsters for that uh, as well. Uh-huh. And some of them have been changed, like the our Hell Knight equivalents, uh, a four armed Wendigo, and it throws a, a volley of projectiles, so it behaves quite differently um, to a standard Hell Knight. Um, uh, but that's a, that, that monster's a good example of one that we did have to rework uh, to telegraph those attacks because, yeah, this volley of projectiles would suddenly appear out of nowhere and just pummel you. So we added, like, glowing effects to the hands to make it, like, okay, this thing is now attacking you. These You can see the bright spots, no matter how, no matter what the light level is, because I like to make dark maps, um, uh, and, and know that this thing's about to fire, um, uh, uh, you know, three to four projectiles at you um very soon so you know there's definitely a lot more to it um in terms of um that that balance element um you know it's not just about sticking the monsters in the space it's about how how does the player read the read the environment um how quickly do they recognize threats um and um and yeah you mentioned weapons like you know the damage the various damage levels how many hit points do you give this monster okay it's feeling a bit too tanky is that because the weapon's too weak or is it because the monster's too tough so it's not just in classic Doom, it's, you know, if you're, it, this is all set. Um, you know, if a Baron feels grindy, well, you might need to give the player a better weapon. Um, but you don't change, you don't replace the shotgun or change the shotgun values or change the Baron's health values. You might give the player a rocket launcher instead. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, with something like Age of Hell, you know, if the minigun's feeling weak here, there's a variety of causes that it could be. Um, yeah. And that, that took a lot of iterating, just tweaking and, up that damage value a little bit we'll turn that down a touch change the hit points there by 20 um very small changes and and that's the way to do it it's just lots of little changes because if you make big sweeping uh alterations in a particular area you probably swing it too far the other way um or make it worse in a different setting um um, because the age of hell weapons also have alt fires um which um again was just another factor to balance it's like um um which yeah it, it's all it's all come out in the uh, in a good space but yeah a lot of um a lot of time went into that fortunately cat's got a good kind of base intuition for that kind of stuff so we'll we start off in about the right area um yeah. it was just a matter of micro tweaking things and because of like the general like high challenge for your doom maps uh what steps are you sort of taking to make age of hell fairly accessible for most people yeah, so the, the the upper skill limit will be pretty pretty high. Um, you know, uh, there's going to be some challenge modes. Um, so we can cater to people who want that, you know, more difficult experience um, through ways other than just packing in the monsters. Um, but one thing we've put a bit of effort into, and it's still a work in progress, um, is uh, difficulty balance mechanics that... Um, are built into the difficulty scenes, so not just altering the amount of damage you take um, or the hit points of the monsters, but we've changed like the aggression. So firing frames are a little bit slower on lower difficulties. Uh, they pain chance a bit easier, um, and projectiles move a bit slower. Um, again, lots of lots of small changes that add up to quite a big difference, um, and it's working working well. Um, that being said, it's probably the game's probably still I'm probably still overtuning the fights uh, a bit too much. Um. Uh, because yeah, 
the wider player base, the wider, mar- wider market is not a doom slaughter <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. player. So, you know, a fight that feels... Well, the demo is a good example. The final fight in that was originally much harder. Um, Zul said it was too easy, <laughs> even then. Um, and then, but then the dreadful like this, this is gonna, this is pretty punishing. Um, so I, I nerfed it pretty heavily. But even, even with that, people were like, "Oh, this is pretty spicy." Um, so mm-hmm. um, that's all part of the learning curve. Um, and there are other ways to challenge people. Um, um, like we've got the, I don't know if you played the um, the hammer mode, uh, where you just get the hammer. Um, uh- I played on, I think it was like the third from the highest difficulty, or maybe. Yeah, so there's a specific mode called it's called Dawnbreaker, and you just get that, you just yeah. get the hammer, and um, uh, but it gets upgrades. Um, it's a good and okay. it's not it's not so much as harder, it just plays very differently, um, and it's a bit of a roguelike because the upgrades are random, um, and you kind of like you know craft a build as it were it's really really good and i've actually played it mm. we've tested it on like sunder and stuff like that it, it translates really well um <laughs> it does uh, sound like to, a fun concept yeah it, it, it was just it was fuck it was funny it was um <clears throat> we're probably three weeks away from releasing the demo to the public for the first time and cat like one week and just spits this out and it was just and it's just because he does that he just comes up he just has an idea and just runs with it and because he works so fast he can you know uh turn out a proof of concept really quickly and he was like, "What I've done?" And I was like, "This is pretty cool." And it's like, oh, "Let's just cram this into the demo all of a sudden." Um, and it turned out to be a really good decision. Um, and um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's something that will balance around, make sure that the fights, you know, everything's beatable in that mode as well. Um, but it, it adds to the replayability. It's something a bit different. Um, and because um, I, the hammer, I always wanted the hammer to be pretty, pretty central to the themes of the game. Um, so I dedicated a hammer mode. It's just like. Fuck yeah. <laughs> this is so cool. Um, what if I told you there's a uh, Dota 2 hero uh, called Dawnbreaker who uses a big golden hammer? <laughs> it is a name that has a... I think it's in Skyrim as well. I think it's the name of a hammer there. Or maybe, um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It is a good name. Because, um, yeah, the oh, hammer is called, uh, it's called Dawnbreaker. Uh so how far along i like i know you've got a pretty lengthy timeline established for age of hell but uh how far along do you reckon new content is for the game in terms of maybe a new demo release or something like that there's actually a new demo waiting uh there's a little a few tweaks i'm just trying to figure out when's the best time to release i was hoping to have it out earlier this year but there is actually a new demo with a boss added in so there's a and a um and a secret fight um so so there's some new content um the wings um it's just a matter of yeah figuring out the right point to um to to pop it out to the public so that's not that's not far away um i had kind of like i mean um my day job's been very busy this year um Mm -hmm. and um currently um balls deep and realms deep um uh stuff so yeah it, it shouldn't be too far away um but as far as a major uh, release um you know, episode one it's a pretty good spot um i was hoping to have that at least in a kind of testable state this year but it's probably going to be next year now um but um mm. i think it's pretty safe to say that episode one being public next year is definitely a high likelihood um mm-hmm. and episode two shouldn't take too long to smash together because it's mostly just going to be the maps 
so a lot of the, a lot of the work is you know um, the preliminary work is just you know bestiary tweaks and getting the weapons all functioning the way we wanted and you know all those kind of core concepts. So once that's all pretty finalised, then um, it's just a matter of uh, of yeah. um, making the play spaces. So um, yeah, because I would imagine one of the tricky things is that say you want to release episode one as its own sort of thing, like a demo for episode one, you need to have it in a state where uh things aren't going to massively change for episode two and three because then Correct. you'd have to go back and change episode one again <laughs> yeah so and like with things like steam and stuff yeah trying to rel- yeah it's not like a it's not as easy just to slam it together into a, a new a new wad file um and chuck it um you know on doom world um yep. there's you know some technical considerations or, or around all that so yeah you're right there's there's something to i need to figure out the best way to package it um yeah of course um, whether it's you know release episode one is like a yeah whether it's technically a demo still or, an, or if it's early access or, or what um and um because it'll, it'll there'll be a holistic fight like a, a gr- ever growing um uh you know project file um that um you know we add to uh but there probably will also be maybe released maybe through a, a, a smaller easier to manage platform like itch um mm-hmm. uh you know individual episodes um for people who don't want to like lose saves or anything like that mm-hmm. i mean it definitely yeah. sounds like a, a process but for sure and steam is not easy to use <laughs> the back end is a nightmare yeah um, and they take uh you know what 60 70 percent of your, <laughs> your profit no i think it's 30 it's not as it's still oh, a good okay. chunk. Yeah, sorry, it's still a good chunk so, but it's not it's still 30 yeah. percent is uh that's a oh, pretty big they, chunk. They print money. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, uh, so, uh, I suppose we're at the tail end of the podcast here, and uh, normally I ask people one question here, but for you, i got a two-pronged final question ooh. for you, uh, just given the nature of what you're working on. So I'll ask you, first of all, what is your favourite Doom monster and why? And then, what is your favourite monster from Age of Hell and why? Favorite Doom monster? I think it's going to have to go to the Archvile. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely uh, the most common uh, pick so far, for sure. Yeah, I think so. It's it's it's. I didn't. I was thinking like, can I can I can I be a hipster and choose something obscure? <laughs> but um, but the Archvile are the Revenant. I think Arch, Arch, Revenant from a mapping perspective, like they're just so versatile yeah. um, as a monster concept. I think they're just a a, a, a beautifully elegant design. Um, in terms of the ways that you can use Revenants um, uh, as a mapper. But as a pure concept, like the Archvile, you know, a, a, the attack, you know, with a, you know, it's a, a hit scan, but delayed blast uh, explosion, it resurrects things, it's fast, it's That's scary. Cool. Like, it's, there's nothing like it in any other game. Yeah, no, um, there really isn't. There's nothing that matches the way its attack functions oh, and all the weird nuances of it. And the fact that it was you know, made in what ninety three, um, yeah, well, ninety six, right? Ninety six, yeah. Sorry, um, yeah, that's no, incredible. And even even the recreations for you know the newer Dooms, whether it's Doom three sixteen or Doom Eternal, aren't anywhere near as awesome as the original. No. Um, you know, I think you know the Revenants translated well to the others. You know, for instance, or the Baron of Hell or the Cyber Demon. You know, like, there's good faithful you know uh recreations and the newer dooms of of almost everything else 
but not the Archfile. <laughs> I think Doom um, Eternal does a lot of things right with the Archfile. Like, it definitely has a similar feeling of, like, holy shit, I have to kill this thing before. Uh, yeah, it but the th it's static. It, it doesn't, it, and it teleports, but it just st it kind of stands there mostly. So, the, you know, it, it's easy to forget the Archfile is one of the fastest enemies in Doom 2. Um, and its its movement speed is part of why it's terrifying. Um, well, and the fact that it's the same height as the player, so it can follow you. Exactly. It, anyway. it, it is a, like, and, you know, I was going to say it's a real hunter, and, you know, prime example is Hunted, you know, the Plutonia map. Um, true, yeah. you know, chase through this labyrinth um, by um, by a bunch of them, and you've only got the super shotgun. So, no, the, yeah, Archvile, Archvile is definitely... Well, it's funny you mentioned Hunted, actually, because I, I think Hunted is actually probably a huge reason why the Archvile is uh, considered in the way that it is, because yep. uh, that map uh, sort of elevates the gameplay of the Archvile. Yes, yeah, you get to know very, very intimately what they do and how they behave. Yeah, and also teaches you, like... Like, I feel like before then, as a kid, I wasn't like... I can kill this enemy with the super shotgun. Like, mm. in my head, I'm like, this is a BFG or rocket launcher. Yeah, it's like, I've got to pull out the biggest thing I've got. Yeah, yeah but in the tight space, it teaches you, like, how to manage archviles. Like, yes. oh, I can bait their attack and then line yes. of sight them and then hit them with the Duck SSG behind the and... corners, because it's, it's a labyrinth. Um, yeah. You know, you, there's a lot of opportunities for that, but it's an environment you don't have a lot of control over because of the way the doors function. And then there's that extra chaos where... They're running around, and I think one of the, the, the great moments in that map for your, your first playthrough is you're fighting one, and then another one comes around behind you, and it shows you how yeah. scary it is to fight two from two different angles. Yeah, and just um, how they move and flow around the yeah. map, and they can follow you anywhere. And yeah. <laughs> it's uh, actually uh, like I remember as a kid, like with the MIDI that that map has and everything, that has to be one of the most impactful. Oh. Uh, Everyone remembers that. For sure. <laughs> just, uh, such a such a cool experience. Most people hate it, <laughs> and it has that like even the invisible wall at the beginning presenting all the archviles. Uh, yes, everything about yeah. that map is like yeah. so uh, ingeniously put together. Yeah, oh, it's, it's iconic, so and um, and then like the BFG at the end. <laughs> it's I like I think you want. want it's like I think you wanted this earlier. You're like you fuck. <laughs> yeah. I was playing continuous so uh, uh -huh. as a kid. I thought that was the first BFG you could get. Well, yeah, that's what I mean, though. You could carry it through the next map, so still... No, as in, like, you wanted the BFG for to fight the Archviles, and, like, okay, now you can have it. Like, you've gotten through the scary oh, yeah, part. definitely yeah, a meme. Yeah. Um, Isn't there, yeah, for like, sure. a trick... Is there a trick exit at the end or something? Yes, yeah, there's one that teleports you to a room with four Archviles. <laughs> like, <laughs> a tiny space. Fuck you, Dario. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, favorite um, Age of Hell monster. Then. Favorite Age of Hell monster because that that is a bit more tricky. Um, I say they love them all; they're all my babies. And maybe something that uh, people haven't even really seen. As well. Do you want a uh, a general mob or a, or a boss is allowed? Oh, uh, if it's a boss, you'll have to. I think either way, you'll probably have to explain mechanically why why you think it's interesting for sure, but. Either is fine, I think. I feel like picking a boss is cheating. Um, <laughs> they spoilers. are very fucking cool. The big spoilers. Um, there's a... There's, actually, I'll... Um, hmm. Favourite's a tough one. They are... 
it's the revenant it's still the revenant so it's always the revenant yeah, the bone <laughs> reaver yep <laughs> no actually I, I, I'll, I'll um i'll mention two um so there's we've got a a um a caco variant called the astavor it's kind of like the astral caco from um uh from eternity yeah. yeah that's uh you know fast and aggressive flyer and but it's even more it, it's it's much smoother more sinuous in its movements and it, it really sneaks up on the player it's it's kind of an aerial revenant you know it's, it's a fast mm-hmm. pressure um you know force the player to move kind of enemy and it's one of those ones where you're like okay here's a flyer fight i've normally put 30 cacos in here these guys are a bit scary we'll put uh, let's put 15 astivores in it see how it feels and you just get absolutely bum rushed and killed <laughs> it's like okay these things are scary and they they just completely become your absolute focus to kill mm-hmm. um, in an encounter and in an interesting way. Yeah, that's only a few tweaks to you know the standard kind of flyer enemy uh, concept. You know, they fire a three spread projectile. Um, they're faster and they've got a bit of a kind of zigzaggy attack um, uh, movement to make them harder to hit. Um, and um, yeah, no, I think it, it was actually um, might have been Gazebo's idea to. Uh, initially that he was requesting a scarier flyer because he's he's making maps for age of hell um Mm -hmm. um but yeah they're they're real game changer and a lot of fun and a a surprisingly dangerous threat um and then the other one that i think is really fucking cool is um it's one that hasn't really been shown before i've I've shown it on stream a couple times but it's an episode three monster um called a malefic um and it's a, a a mage kind of uh, uh, dude with a staff and a cloak and looks, you know, all cool and scary. It summons um, like um, damage over time slots under the player. It's mm-hmm. kind of runic circles appear on the ground. Um, so it's it's similar to an archfile, or maybe more like a diabolist, like from um, Supercharge, you know, forcing you to you, you to keep moving. Um, mm-hmm. But um, the the visual design of a, a, a cat really knocked it out of the park on that one. I think. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he did it. I mean, he did a really good job with all the monsters from what I've seen. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, uh, I know I'm done really well. Um, but yeah, that the malefic, I think, uh, is going to be a lot of fun to use because it's the kind of monster you could probably spam a fair amount. Um, and, and you know, and, 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 and their threat is very much relative to the amount of space the player's got to move. Yeah. Um, and because um, uh, I really like the Diablos uh, from Supercharge, you know, that's delayed firebomb explosions. Um, you know, you can throw yep. them around in a way that you can't normal arch files. They've still got a similarish kind of threat. They still resurrect things, but you can you can be a bit more um, uh, laissez-faire, I guess, with your placement. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll point to Dubs's um, Map Witch Two map, where he used I think three hundred of them in a fight. I like and Dubs to me. It's it's the only Dubs. It's the it's the can't the contain best him. The best dumb fight I've ever played. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, there's um, um, this uh, yeah, it's it's. I'm really excited about revealing you know all these new monsters and stuff because um, they've been a, a, a they're a lot of fun to, to fight and, and play with. Um, and um, <clears throat> there will be a an SDK uh, a modding pack of Age of Hell for people to use and people will oh, be actively cool. encouraged. Yeah, yeah. So um, once it's all kind of finalized. Um, we'll be um, yeah, I'll be running some probably some community projects to uh, get people into it, but yeah, there'll definitely be a a, a resource yeah, pack. A cool both idea. and yeah, yeah, into one... like those original Doom roots of uh, exactly, exactly. And I think 
I think um, you'd be kind of silly not to if you're making a GZ Doom game, both to let people mod your game, so add in content, but also use the game resources to make their own stuff. Um, yeah, that's not easy to do with modern games. So I, I think that's both, like as you say, a good you know throwback to our roots, but also a good marketing opportunity. It's like, hey, you know, you played all the content, fuck, you can go make your own. You know, here's a whole lot of shit that other people have made. And Proteus is doing that really well. Encouraging yeah, people that's to- true. Sure. Um, to make stuff. So yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, sounds cool. And uh, yeah, I suppose people can probably look forward to seeing more Age of Hell in the not too too distant future, uh, maybe next year or something. Uh, yeah. So like I said, sure, uh, the the demo update will definitely be out this year. Um, I said that's pretty much pretty much shop ready. I think I was actually just waiting for some music. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, I feel like uh, saying episode one next year. Um, very high chance. Um, can't promise anything, but um, you know the Never state of the maps. Anything, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're out with the, the state of the maps. You know, we're, we're getting um, pretty close to uh, a finished episode, um, um, which uh, feels good. Yeah, I'll be, yeah, I'll be exciting, uh, exciting to get it up there for sure. For sure. Well, we've uh, we've gone pretty long here. Not quite as long as the gazebo episode. <laughs> that was uh, that was a big one, but. Uh, it was great to chat. Great to have you on. Uh, interesting to hear about sort of all these uh, very different projects that you're working on sort of simultaneously. And uh, I, I'm sure I speak for a lot of people when I say I look forward to seeing what Age of Hell has to offer when the full release comes out. So, uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Yeah, no, absolute pleasure, Nirvana. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, beautiful. All right. All right. See you next time. Cheers.